It was well known that a certain lake was very poor for fishing up north, but a game warden happened to notice that one guy kept coming home with his limit of fish on several occasions. He asked the guy, how is it that you are catching fish out of that lake when no one else can? The guy replied, well, I'm going back up there tomorrow. Why don't you come along? And so the warden did. They were in the boat when the fisherman reached over and lit a stick of dynamite and tossed it overboard. Boom! There were fish floating to the surface all over. The game warden freaked out and said, You can't do that. That's illegal. The fisherman reached over and lit another stick and said, Are you going to fish or talk? You're listening to the Smackdown Outdoors podcast. What's up, everybody? How are you? Smackdown Outdoors podcast. I'm the host, Doug Lamarvine, just an idiot with a microphone and a dream. On today's show, we got Kyle Hot Pants Manifel back in the building, and we cover Red Lake, having some zebra mussels in it now, or zebra mussel larvae, Malax regulations, and I kind of, um, I rant about that a little bit. Just a little bit. I might have called out like the DNR and Glyphwick and anybody involved in decision making um and then we the, the actual reason he was on the show was to talk about walleye fishing and we end up talking primarily about jigs and how to use jigs how to fish jigs um what kind of jigs there are uh you know so for your so you you know you're for your kind of first starting out walleye fishermen kind of like what we did with john and the bass fishing you know we just kind of went over the basic you know setup for uh walleyes uh we also covered bottom bouncing for walleyes and then also three-way rigging for walleyes three-way though three-way weighting system for walleyes and then of course he gives us a pretty darn good recipe um at the end of the show uh before we head to that show Make sure you guys are checking out the Midwest Angler Podcast and the Broken Line Podcast. Those boys, uh, they put on some pretty decent shows. They are shows that I listen to. They are not paying me for this. But hey, if I listen to it, you can listen to it as well. All right? Okay, so make sure you are also subscribing. Wherever you're listening to this or watching this or whatever, subscribe. It helps me out, helps me know who's here, because guess what? If it, nobody's listening anymore, I'm not going to put these out. So I need subscribers to show that there's people out there listening. Um, and then head over to the Facebook page. Give that a like. Send me some comments. Send me some questions. Whether it's hunting or fishing or outdoors, send those comments and those questions in to give us stuff to talk about. You want us to talk about a certain topic? Let us know. If there's something in the outdoors that interests you, let us know. And what I will do is I will find somebody much smarter than me to talk about it. And then I will ask them a bunch of random questions in said interview. And, yeah, we'll figure it out. So subscribe, like, share, comment, send in your topics. Do all that stuff for me. Can you please? I don't want to beg you, but can you please? Please? Thank you. All right. So without further ado, we are going to talk with kyle hot pants and if you don't know what the hot pants is for go back to like the second episode um which he was in it 
second or fourth we did we covered that i can't remember anyway go back start listening to old episodes and you will figure out where the hot pants comes from all right so let's get on with the show welcome back mr hot pants <laughs> good to be back yeah uh cal manifell in the building um let's cover the master angler award and just so everybody knows yes i realized that uh if you didn't watch the youtube or the video version uh i congratulated the guy last week on becoming uh an official minnesota angler and not a minnesota master angler <laughs> i was watching the the video version and I'm, i heard it and i go wait a what what did i say oh okay backed it up yep i didn't say master angler so over the video i was like I even put, you mean master angler? <laughs> so close enough. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's uh, take care of the Minnesota Master Angler Award brought to you by the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in Little Falls. Now, everybody, um, they have a fishing, uh, fishing night with the pros um, on April 12th. I believe it is April 12th, where you can hang out with a bunch of uh, pros and legends. And apparently I tricked them into thinking that I was like some sort of pro. So <laughs> I'll be there too. Uh, it's the like the one and only kind of fundraiser they do a year. So if you got nothing going on, head over to the website, contact them, and uh, yeah, get signed up to go over there. And What are the dates? It's April 12th. April 12th. Yeah, April, if you'd have been listening. Yeah. You've already zoned out. My, I, I, it slipped right through, right through the cracks. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, go on. <laughs> so your Minnesota Master Angler brought to you by the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in Little Falls is Brent Byers. And Brent did on October 6th, 2007, caught and released by Sport Fishing Method from Minnesota Waters, a 35-inch flathead catfish and is hereby recognized as an official minnesota master angler uh he is from mankato he caught it out of the minnesota river in nicolet county 35 incher he did release it and his catch story is caught on the judson bottom judson bottom road i'm guessing that's a road it's rd just outside of north mankato uh 35 inches from head to tail and around 30 pounds caught photographed and released mike mullen from mankato was his witness as well and that's a nice little fish there oh yeah yeah decent minnesota flathead chubby too it's a chubby chubby one yeah so congratulations brent byers hopefully i said that last name right on becoming a minnesota master angler yay i did it right this time <laughs> <laughs> slow, slow clap thank you thank you all right, so now let's head over and do some news of the week. Uh, it's nothing but bad news this week. Nothing but bad news. Red Lake has zebra mussels. I've seen that. <laughs> the uh, Minnesota Department of Natural Resources has confirmed the present presence of zebra mussel larvae in Red Lake in Beltrami County after studying samples gathered by, last summer by biologists from the Red Lake Nation. The DNR has been working in partnership with the Red Lake Nation for over 10 years to monitor zooplankton in Red Lake and will continue to work closely with the tribe to respond to this discovery. Uh, zebra mussel larvae called villagers. Hmm, I learned something. Uh, typically indicate the presence of reproducing population of zebra mussels. Well, in order to have larvae, you got to have the 
like the adult version unless it came over from like a bird but so yeah so that's kind of redundant to say (laughs) they gotta have the presence of a reproducing population but anyway no adult zebra mussels have been identified eight villagers were found in a zooplankton sample taken in the middle of upper red lake um i could go through a whole bunch of other stuff but so that's not very good so yeah i guess it'll clear the lake up a little bit which is not good <laughs> actually that's not good at all because it's a 12 foot bowl well well it's 14 <laughs> we'll give him some credit maybe a 15 foot yeah. dip here and there but uh from what i understand the southern part of it the part we can't fish is deeper so if the shallow end gets really clear and the fish move deeper it might be uh, big trouble in little river city for the upper red lake yeah yeah for us fishing definitely could be that lake has had uh so many issues throughout the years as far as just getting pounded with one after another it's had its ups and downs. Oh. <laughs> and from what I kind of take it now, I mean, there's still good fish in early ice, but I think, you know, not many people really fish it during the summertime because it's kind of tough with the wind and stuff. It's so shallow that it can get real choppy and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Sean goes up there quite a bit, and a lot of people that I know, you know, at least the first part of the season go up there, and it gets pounded. Yeah. You think it's like, it's worse, it's worse than Mille Lacs or Leech as far as boat to boat to boat, at least up until uh, Memorial. Oh, really? So it gets oh, yeah. Really oh, okay. It gets pounded. Well, it's Absolutely like, pounded all year round. <laughs> well, it's like it, it gets pounded, you know, that first few weeks of ice or month of ice season, too. Oh, yeah. So, but that's either way. That's not good. No. Um, it's not good if that's the case. See, I still, nobody's really been able to tell me why zebra mussels other than clearing the water why they are so bad like i know that they shouldn't be there because they're invasive right but they clear the water up. okay they're bad for the fishery how because every fishery i've ever heard of that's gotten zebra mussels is still good unless it was a terrible lake to begin with right look at malax malax has zebra mussels everybody freaks out and there's fish all over the place yeah it changes things you know, up you know I minnetonka mean, zebra mussels rampant right great fishery eerie yeah Great fish. The list goes on. I understand that they probably shouldn't be there, or they should not be there because they're an invasive species, but I don't know. It changes the patterns, and it makes things different, so people might not be having the success. You know, and obviously it's like when they bloomed up on Mille Lacs. Ah, God, what was that? I don't know. At least, like, seven years ago, I mean, they were terrible. Like, I had to change the way I was fishing, you know, because your line would get all messed up all the time and whatnot. So you you got to tweak a lot of things, and if people don't, you know, it makes it a bigger pain in the butt than anything just to get out there and fish, let alone catch one. You know, if you, if you can't actually put the bait in front of them due to zebra mussels chopping your line or this, that, or the other thing, getting all over you, you know, you're not going to catch any fish, so... Well, it's funny because, like, the, the two biggest groups I've heard complaining are one fisherman because it eats your lineup if you're dragging in the yep, bottom. Yep. And two are the people that have property on the lake because they don't like stepping on them. Right. Okay. How, like, I, I'm open to this, okay? Just so everybody knows, I am open to hear the reasons why. I'm not trying to go, oh, your muscles are great. I just want to know how they are seriously negatively affecting 
bodies of water. Right. Other than people don't like stepping on them and you cut your line. Well, I don't know. Plankton, I mean, they filter a lot of the things that the bait fish eat, you know, and whatnot. So I, a lot of people, I, I don't know if it's cyan, scientific facts or anything, but they say that had something to do with uh, the, the shiners getting a little goofy as far as the numbers in Mille Lacs and stuff. But if you look back before the zebra mussels were in there, I mean, they had stopped netting them by the, the ton bef- yeah. well before they were in there. So so who's to say or who knows? But I know it does affect that. And, like, look at otter tail. I mean, how much clear that was and whatnot. And I don't know, it, visibility and who knows. I If they're not supposed to be there, they shouldn't be there. But I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just, you know, yeah. hey, some scientists out there, not just our Facebook friends going, oh, they're bad or they're good. They're like right. Some scientists, if you're listening, you hear this or you know somebody who knows the science behind this stuff and why they're like devastatingly bad please fill me in let me know so you know then i know right, right. <laughs> i'm not saying they're good i just haven't been able nobody's given me reason go, going okay we need to spend you know millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to get these out of the water other than they're invasive uh they cut your line and you step on them and they hurt right i don't know so I'm sure people will please send hate mail too. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Yeah. So they're bad. Get them out of the lakes if you can, but I don't think there's anything that can really get them out of the lakes. Right. So I don't know. I know they kind of, they'll end up everywhere. Well, right. I mean, it's, they kind of tamper off though after a while too, you know, they hit their peak and then they, Mm -hmm. I mean, they do their, their job, which is filter. And then they just kind of die off, you know? So well, that's happened on Mille Lacs. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Cause there was uh, my buddy's neighbor, um, his dock, we took it out one year and it was covered mm-hmm. the next year had like six, seven. It was like nothing. Yep. They weren't anywhere, but you go fish and ice fish and you drop a camera down and they are everywhere. Right. Oh yeah. They're still there. But the, but the, you know, fishing's pretty darn good on that lake. So, oh yeah. I don't know. All right. Speaking of Mille Lacs. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common topic. <laughs> Here we go. Please send hate mail on this one to the Straight to the DNR. Uh, walleye harvest will be allowed on, in May. Walleye harvest will be allowed in May on Malax Lake. Anglers on Malax will be able to keep walleye during open water fishing for the first time since 2015. I'm trying to read this all happy, by the way. An improving walleye population has been protected by conservative fishing regulations in recent years. Conservative fishing regulations. You get one fish in between this, this, and that, and blah, blah, blah for three months, according to the DNR. Malax Lake anglers will be able to keep one walleye between 21 and 23 inches, also known as the same exact year class they've been beating the piss out of since this whole debacle started. (laughs) Or one walleye over 28 inches, which should be like 25 or 26 inches, but hey, what do I know? I'm not part of the DNR. From Saturday, May 11th through Friday, May 31st. 21 days you can keep one fish in between 21 and 23 or one over 28 inches. Yeah. Yep. I, it just... <laughs> I hope at least for anybody listening to this, that, that 21 to 23... They're out there. Well, I, I think they're getting their numbers to it or... Based off of where they set their nets, I mean, that's the fish that they're getting. So that's the ones they feel like are an overabundance and want to target. Whereas if they actually fish or talk to the resort or just talk to the people on the lake, I'd really love to see what uh, Johnson's 
uh, Johnson Portside survey was, you know, seeing what was in the bellies. I think he said like last time he had did an update, it was like 90 something percent empty. Yeah. They're all empty. Um, there's no bait fish. Yeah. And, yeah. and whatnot. And, and that's why fishing is so good. If there's no bait fish. Right. You put bait down there. They're going to eat it if they're in the neighborhood. Right. Right. But I don't know. We were talking before. I think that 17 to like upper 19 inch range, that's, that's probably the thickest population. I think you pulled it up on there too. Um, well, we pulled it up. I don't know if it wasn't the last time you and Gildersleeve, but it was a time before that where we were pulling the numbers up. And the year class they keep beating up is way low. Right. But that 17 to 19 or 16 to 20 in that range is sky high. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it was, it was the 17 to something. And then to top it off, too, like, I, I don't know. I, I am glad that they're allowing the one over 28, even though I feel like it should probably be 26 to maybe 28 and a half or something. I, I don't know. Um, but but either way, those, those bigger fish are the ones that need to get taken out of there. You know, yes. you can't have a lake just built off of trophies. You know, it needs to have a diverse fish population throughout all species yep. if it wants to thrive. So... I'm, I'm glad they left that open anyways. I mean, that's that's one positive for three, we- three weeks, I guess. But um, hopefully anybody listening to this, if you are going to keep one and, you know, whether it's for the wall, I mean, if I keep something over 28 inches, I'm generally not going to never eat that. That's not what I like to eat. But. You Here, here's your here's your opportunity just to fry keep the hell one. out of it you can eat it yeah here's here's well cold water too you know they yeah. say they whatever firmer meat yeah the 20 hey the, but, the overs the 28 inches in these three weeks of may will be good eating yeah because it's still going to be cold water <laughs> right. just you know put a little extra spice in the in the batter yeah well here, here's <laughs> what i'm trying to say is here's your opportunity if there's one time where i'm like yeah you can keep that big fish yeah go right ahead i'm telling this, this is your time i'm right telling now. you i want i'm going to tell everybody if you catch a fish over 28 inches keep it do not put it back in the water keep it this is the one time where i do like you said i get throwing the big girls back to somebody else can catch them yep. no we need them out of this lake there are too many of them in this lake we need them out well when we have you know when we have such a narrow window of time in order to do that three yes. three weeks in the past how many years that's right. all you're going to get to be able to that's that's why you're saying that or taking that approach to it it's not like he's he wants them all out you know all year round like let's say they actually open up a full season you know maybe it'd be a little bit different because you're going to have how endless months six six months of open water fishing in order yeah. to do so but this three-week window it's a little bit more uh appealing to not bat an eye at someone keeping one of those big fish well fish need to come out of that lake yeah i mean oh, yeah. we need walleye taken out of that lake we've gone over this time and time again walleye should not be as easy to catch as they are in Malax lake right and period the, and the they small should not mouth. be yeah well, small well, mouth. those two those two need to get thinned especially the, th- the small mouth um you know i get for the longest time that's the only thing like the state of minnesota was breeding that lake for a smallmouth fishery you know they paid how much money to get them on that Bassmasters list i'd really like to know how much of our taxpayers money went towards that because that is absolutely ridiculous the lake should uphold its name in its own right not because our chamber or our state had to pay in order to get 
Bassmaster to come there twice and then throw them as the best, you know, whatever lake in the in the nation. Um, you know what I mean? We we shouldn't have to spend the money. The lake should do the talking for itself. You know, because and the only reason why they they took that approach is because the walleye fishing was shut down. The resort owners were going crazy because not too many people were going up there. Um, you know, and it, the whole economy was affected because of this thing. So their answer was to hush hush about the walleyes. You know, they told the Bassmaster Elite guys the second time around, don't say that word. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Because they, they showed up. In the, and they in the go, rules meeting. Ain't no walleye problem in this lake. You yeah. guys are nuts. I <laughs> was watching TV. Don't say uh, that. Oh, I was watching TV. I was crying of laughter just going, yeah, there's no walleye shortage, buddies. There's right. no walleye shortage. We should be able to start keeping them or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the second time around, it was... Oh yeah, you didn't. It, it came on blank ears. Yeah. That's because they told him to hush hush. Yeah, and uh, well, I think one of the. I mean, I don't want to put it. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to say that. Hey, you know, taxpayer dollars went to the bass and this and that because I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, it just as far as like the 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 size and the quality of bass, it's just being not a lot of people were fishing for it. So they're gonna grow. They're gonna get oh, big. Yeah. You know, it was all. It was. You know, they wanted the Bassmasters to come here to That's give they, a boost to the lake. Yes. Right. That's what they spent their money on, though. Not, you know, they weren't trying to physically boost the numbers of fish with, you know, taxpayer dollars and blah, 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 whatever. But in order to get an operation um, like Bassmasters here, it is funded. You know what I mean? They're, sure. they're throwing some huge ching, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce up there or the state. And, I mean, there was plenty of articles that... Um, had stated that, I mean, the state was throwing out cash just to get them there to boost the economy, which is a great thing. Like, that was a good thing, having that event up there. Yes. But all they were doing was putting makeup on a pig. They were masking a problem, you know? That's that's all they were doing with that situation. It wasn't it wasn't a solution, you know? It, I'd love the Bassmasters to come to Minnesota, which whichever body of water yeah. every year, or, or you know MLF. Or, well, they were definitely they were definitely trying to take the focus away from Malax, right? And put right. a good face to it, going, "Hey, walleyes are having an issue, which whatever. Um, we have bass. We've yep. got smallies, King Kong smallies. Come catch them, have fun, blah blah blah." Yep, that just wasn't the specific answer to the problem you know and with how high tensions were and stuff you know just makeup on a pig doesn't doesn't really work for me you know i mean that's that's all i'm saying i mean i'd like i said i'd love you can value it as that but to just put the walleyes aside and act like they don't exist and there isn't a problem and all that stuff and just throw it off the table while they come here you know it's it's just a little goofy if you ask me yeah well you know it's i would love to just have a another dimension you know, that you could walk through and just see what Malax would be like if we didn't do anything just to see when it would come back up because lakes they revolve they rotate yep. they have up years they have down years I've said it before it used to be called the Dead Sea you couldn't go out there and catch a walleye it wasn't a like a disaster at that time right you know nobody was freaking out at that time um but yeah I don't know it just they let us keep one fish in three for three weeks. One fish a day for three weeks. That's it. That that's ridiculous. Yeah. There are so many fish in that lake. 
so many fish in that lake that... Doug isn't a meat fisherman, by the way. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I throw everything back. But I'll tell you what, if I catch a 28, it's coming home. Yeah. And if I catch a 28 the next day, it's coming home. Every day, if I go... You know, I'm not going to be up there every day. I might get up there once, maybe, during this period. But, you know... I'm not going to, I'm I'm keeping everything over 28. I'll throw the 21 to 23 years back. I don't care. Yeah. But just to prove my point, and I'm going to post them on Facebook and I'm going to tell everybody that I kept it and I'll just wait for the hate. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. We well, need big fish coming out of this lake. <laughs> Period. If big any- fish eat more than small fish. Yeah. One big fish will eat way more than one small fish. And we need... Big fish out of the lake. So buck hunting. What do we do when we're, if you're trying to manage a trophy property, what do you do? You take out the oldest deer that you can. Yep. Right. The biggest, oldest deer, the most mature deer that you can. Right. Why are we throwing all these mature fish back? To improve the genetics? It doesn't improve the genetics. No. They're not passing on big fish seed. Right. You know, they've just lived longer. I can understand throwing back a 24. You know, yeah. 23, 24, 25, whatever. Well, yeah, to get bigger for a trophy. They're on but their upward cycle. Yeah, 28 is running around eating way too many fish, too much bait, and not allowing enough bait for the smaller fish that need to re- that are going to replace that. So if all the big fish run around, eat 10 minnows for every one minnow of a small fish, there's the problem. Yeah. And, and I- that's why there's no bait in the lake. There's too many big fish of all species. Right, right. We'll just say that of all species, too many big fish in that lake. Yep. No, and I've heard all kinds of different things too. So I, as far as all oh, the big walleyes, they only eat this much because their metabolism is this. So I, I don't know which way to lean on that, but I know one thing I do know that is fact, diverse fisheries. Yes. You know, so people can talk about the spawning. The big ones spawn way more. The big ones don't spawn way more. The big ones eat more. The big ones don't eat more. The small ones, blah, blah, blah. You can go any which way on any one of those topics, well, uh, but fact, yes. like diverse fisheries yes. are the only way to maintain health for years to come. You shouldn't be able to go out and catch a trophy fish every time you go to this lake. Yeah. That's why they're called trophies, because you did something exceptional. You don't get a trophy. Well, I suppose today everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> it's, the, it's the participation award <laughs> lake. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming to Blacks. Here's your 27. Speaking of big that, deal. But, the, um, last, the last two weekends there, if mm-hmm. anybody does want to keep one of those big fish, not that I can guarantee one, but I will be guiding up there. So there you go. <laughs> feel free to reach out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did talk to Ali Shakur at the NPAA conference, yep. and he knows – Wallace. Yeah, he's the dude. Yes. Doctor. Yes. And bigger fish. I asked him, I go, bigger fish eat way more than smaller fish, right? He goes, yeah, they have to. Like, you know, yes, big right. fish eat more than smaller fish. Walleye reproduction, they don't really spawn any more than a smaller fish. Okay. So if they're spawning the same, the big fish have to go to make room for these little fish to grow and eat and they're still going to spawn. Yep, yep. You need to, just like the buck thing, like I said, oh, you yeah. take out the oldest, maturest deer out of the system. That right. way the little bucks can thrive. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I, it's just... And I don't doubt Ollie or nothing. Like, I, I believe what he's saying yeah. is true. I'm just, the guy raises fish. Right, right. <laughs> from freaking eggs. He knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. No, and, and yeah. like I said, I believe him, and I kind of feel that way too, but just from other people who... 
I've heard from that are super good, you know, super knowledgeable and blah, blah, blah. And they have differing opinions. You know, you can all go back to that one fact, you know, about having a diverse fishery, you know? So all that aside, if anybody agrees with that or not, look at the other lakes. I mean, look at what they're doing with leech. I mean, they should have did it probably maybe a couple years before, but they're on the right path now with the one over 20. There's no more of the goofy slot to protect that um, because the fish population in that slot rebounded and they rebounded really well. So now it's a non-issue and hopefully that fishery stays really diverse and the fish are all healthy and blah, blah, blah. And I know leech is a completely different lake than Mille Lacs, but um, you know, you just look at all the other good fisheries. Most of the good ones that, that I've seen, obviously big, Big tulipy base, big shiner base, big yeah. sucker, something, you know, as far as supporting big fish, though, it's always tulipies, you yeah. know, the big fat ones. Tulipy and perch. Yeah. 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 And that's the problem with Mille Lacs is that there's no bait fish. Right. I mean, there's very little bait in that lake. The tulipy population is dropping. Down. The perch population is way down. Yep. That's what they- Shiners, too. Shiners I mean. are down. Everything's down. Yep. So let's keep the big ones alive. Yeah. And no, lo- let's get rid of the big ones right. so the little ones can eat to grow to be big. Oh, yeah. What's going to happen is the whole lake's going to run out of, out of out of bait. I understand that we're not going to get rid of 100% of the bait, so whatever. Um, but we're going to have the bulk a of the way too, too little bait for too many fish. And everything is going to get skinny and suffer, not just the big ones. You're going to catch the 17, 18-inch fish that weigh a pound and a half. Right. That's not right. So big fish need to come out. And the, the thing that really pisses me off about this, even more than the 28, okay, whatever, is the three weeks. Ridiculous. Here. Here's your milk bone. Go away. Yeah. We li- we're letting you keep a fish. Go away. That's that's. They couldn't much even extend. I've I've heard it. Uh, Father's Day. People wanted to go up there with their dad. Right. Go fishing on Father's Day. Can't do that and keep a fish. So the people going, well, I'm not going up there during Father's Day because right. my old man he wants a fish. It's just, <sighs> I don't know. So here's the deal. If anybody from the DNR, Glyphwick, or anybody else that has anything to do with the decision making on either side, if you want to come on. And voice your facts and your opinions and whatnot. I will sit here. I will listen. And you can get get your side of the story out. Right. You know, let it let it be heard. Hey, that's one thing that's you. goofy is yeah. nobody wants to talk about it. And right. There's so many different hands in this damn cookie jar. Right. That oh, we can't talk about it because we don't want to upset these guys. We can't talk about this because we don't want to upset these guys. If we talk like this, then these people aren't going to want to play nice. Yep. You know, yeah. Don't there's, worry. There's, I will be respectful. I promise. I will be respectful. I will ask questions. I will not try to, you know, go all crazy with it. You right. know, Alex Jones in it. No, I just want to know how you people that come up with decisions on all the different sides. Okay, what I'm not singling out a single group here. How everybody comes up with the decisions. That's what I want to know. How did you come to the fact that only three weeks? that year class again instead of picking on a different year class with way more fish and then 28 inches and above how many fish are in that lake that are 28 inches and above how many fish in that lake are 26 inches and above yep or some people i didn't catch anything 28 and above i know a lot of people did and there's a lot of fish in their 28 so there's not going to be any there's going to be 28s taken out but how about some 25s and 26s whatever if you wanted to even do a uh three week for the 25 and up and then after that it's 27 and up 
you know, whatever. But yeah, three, have a three weeks. Slot. Three weeks. Thanks for the bone. Well, it's just it's just thanks for the pudding pop. Up. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's, thanks. That's yeah. all it is. Thanks for putting on Blues Clues and sitting me in front of the TV so I just mind my own business. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly it. Right. And uh, there's, I know that lake gets pressured and stuff, but there's no reason that I mean, with the amount of fish that you catch, there's no reason that you can't. I don't know can't have it different than what it is we'll just put it that way it it should be it should be different you know i'm yes. i'm glad we got a little bit of something at least we got something to maybe clean those out you know you can kind of look at it that way but but at the same time it's almost like uh you know at least to some of these people it's almost like a, a slap in the face you know oh it's every 90 percent of the people i've seen talking about this are pissed right whether it's the three three week deal or the same year class or the 28 and over and I know you're not going to make everybody happy. Yep. But if they just said 18 to 21, you get to keep a fish. 26 and over, you get to keep a fish. And you get two months. May and June gets hot in July. We've dealt with the shutdown in July and August. If you'd have given us two months in those, we would have been fine. Yeah. At least we're making some progress. But it's, oh, you get to harvest fish now. No, you don't. You don't get to harvest fish. You get to keep one fish, maybe. Yeah. Well, I hope they open something up too for that for that hot water time, just due to the fish dying. Well, you there know? was people saying that you should have it during July and August when yeah. you're out there fishing anyway. You know, because apparently we can still go fish during July and August now. Right. Yeah. So we're going to be killing all sorts noise. of fish. Yeah. Yep. So it's just. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, who knows? Like, like you were saying, you know, someone someone come on, like if if they. If they know more and they have more behind them or a different opinion, like me personally, like I'm not um, too stuck on myself to hear anybody's opinion, whether I, whether I like change my mind, you right. know, I like, in all. Yeah. Uh, hey, here I am with my coffee mug and my sign in front of my little <laughs> table in the middle of the park. I think you did it wrong. <laughs> change my mind. Straight up. You, you know, know it, it's just. Yeah. You you have an open mind. You'll listen and you hey, know what? Who knows? Somebody, you might you might learn from it. You you might if they walk in here and they lay down a list of facts and scientific cuz let's let's use science, not feelings, yeah. not thoughts. Let's use science. If they come in here and go this is the science, the un uh and the 100% fact because of science and they lay it in front of me, okay. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't argue. But if you come in here and you go, well, this is what our thoughts are and this and that. And no, right. that's, it's the outdoors should never be based on thoughts or opinions. It should always be based. And this is fish, deer, turkey, elk, moose, wolves. It should all be science based. Right. Oh, yeah. Period. Yep. No thoughts, no feelings, no opinions. Science. Because yep. this is the outdoors is not. It's science. Right. It's our, well, it's our ecosystem. Right. I mean, it's been around forever. <laughs> yeah. You want to come in here and tell me why scientifically bumblebees should not be around? I'll listen to you. You're full of crap, but I'll listen to you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, you probably won't change my mind on that, but, you know, or, or you want to tell me why scientifically we need mosquitoes. Come in here, lay me down a list of why we scientifically need mosquitoes. I still hate them, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to spray you with a bunch of DEET, but other than that, I'll listen. You might change my mind. Oh, but yeah. yeah, so if anybody from the DNR or Glyphwick or any other organization that is on that was involved in making this, let me know. 
Yeah. I will have you on. I will be respectful because you can teach me and tell me and everybody that's going to hear and see this why you came to this decision and we can get it out there. Right. So shed, we shed don't, a different light. Nobody's we don't talking. even have to like it. Right. We don't have to like it. We just want to know why you picked those numbers. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's talking. So yeah. that's the thing. Nobody wants to say anything. Yeah. It's, well, here you go. Here's your one fish. Here it okay. is. It's not, here's the season, and it's based off of this, 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 and this. And mm-hmm. don't use these ghost numbers anymore because they use these, the the quoted system, the kill, the harvest rate for the anglers with the catch and release, all these, what we owe back, all this all this goofy stuff. Oh, it's, yeah. It's all phantom ghost numbers. It's all a guesstimate. Well. Who's guesstimating? Here we go. So, under the same article, state and tribal allocations. I'm just bringing this up yeah. because of ghost numbers. The state and the Ojibwe tribes with the harvest rights in Mille Lacs. Let me hold on. Let me back up a second. If the tribes want to net, that's fine. But if you're going to do it, do you really need to take that many fish out of the of the body of water? They have agreed on the 2019 safe harvest level of 150,000 pounds. That's what they get to take. Yeah. Apparently. Mm -hmm. The state and the Ojibwe tribes with the harvest rights in Mille Lacs agreed on a 2019 safe harvest level of 150,000 pounds of walleyes, resulting in a state allocation of 87,800 pounds. Under the catch-and-release-only regulation last year, walleye angler killed total just over 47,000 pounds. How did we kill 47,000 pounds of fish? You want to tell me that one, too, when you're in here, telling me about all them fake numbers? Yeah. Nobody's had, once again, have they ever asked you how many walleye you caught when you're on Mille Lacs? Mm, it's smallmouth. Yeah. It's all about we talked about, mouth. yeah. Smallmouth. Yep. I've never once, and I've, I keep asking people when this comes up in I was conversation. On there four weeks in a row, and it was hey, smallmouth every day. I keep asking people, have you ever been asked how many walleye you caught? No, 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 no. I never have received a yes from anybody. They've nobody's ever been asked how many walleye they have caught. So how can you tell me how many pounds of walleye we have killed in that lake? Yeah, you can't. What about the floating nets that they found out there? There's that. You know? I mean, there's there's all kinds <laughs> there's of things, that. you know? Yeah. I'm not... I'm it, not going to blame the Indians. It's everybody's fault. This, this every single exactly. person. Exactly. My fault, I've taken fish out of the lake. You've taken fish out of the lake. The launches that take many people out, out on that lake multiple times a day and come yep. back with oh, fish. Yeah. The, you know, the tribes, they take... It's everybody's fault. Everybody needs to be held accountable for this right everybody now i commend the minnesota tribes for not netting the last few years yep. i commend them oh yeah i hey they stepped up they did it well they did their part they did their part yeah so yeah but just tell everybody's me how, hands in the cookie jar it's gonna run dry well, you can't keep pulling from it science and then wonder where the cookies go science can so, we follow science Stop with the feelings. Stop with the opinions. Yep. Stop with the thoughts. Let scientists do scientist stuff right. and figure it out. <laughs> and right now, I'm not even a scientist, and I can tell you that there's not enough bait in the lake. There's too many big fish in that lake of all species, and it's going to end up going right back to where we were right. in less than five years. Another thing, too, that and, I don't I don't think we've touched on as far as bait, 
like or you know anybody that i've really heard talk about um the only one i've seen who maybe threw out blurbs of it was was felogy but talking about the boom of the crayfish which i believe it was the rusty crayfish mm-hmm. a few years back and how that affected and that i think that came into the trifecta with um the boom of the zebra mussels and stuff and a couple different uh cabin owners and people that i know they were talking about you know fishing went down or whatever and when the crayfish came up so i'd i'd like to know how that has effect on on the ecosystem also well the crayfish they're not good for the ecosystem i i don't know what they do i don't know if it's a vegetation thing or if it's a bait fish thing or whatever but those are not good and i think it's just the rusty because there is there is native ones that are okay i believe right now and and i don't know nothing about it but but you know, people don't really talk about that stuff. And yeah. that's the stuff that I want to hear. You know, everyone's bashing each other. Everybody's jumping to conclusions, saying all this. Well, let's like dive into each aspect a little bit more, you know, before you open your mouth, you right. know, before you, before all these people, you know, start just attacking each other, just to attack. Well, it was the Indians. Well, it was the DNR. Well, <laughs> it was the, it was the damn people up there. It's a tournament fisherman. It's the cabin oh. goers taking all the fish. It's, you know, all, everybody has, has literally had the knives thrown at him. Oh yeah. With the blame. Oh yeah. You know, like, yep dive into something a little bit more and i'm sure every single one of them has has had something to do with a little bit of it you know that's why i said it's everybody's fault yeah everybody who's ever fished that lake because according to dnr if you fish that lake you kill fish every time you go there by hook mortality yeah yeah whatever i have my opinion on that one (laughs) we all do (laughs) um yeah, no, crayfish, they're, they're the rusty crayfish, because I've heard it about some other lakes, too. It, they're not good for the lake. Right. I just, I don't know exactly what they, why they're bad, and if it's a veget, like I said, if they destroy the vegetation or well, eggs when, or, I, I have. If I, you look, too, you think that would be, like, a good source of bait, but um, just because, like, when they're molting or whatever, look at, like, leech or some of these other lakes, you know, there's, I could rattle off about a hundred of them. The walleyes freaking hammer them, oh, yeah. right? They, yep. you know, when they're soft or whatever, they just, they gorge themselves on them, you know, and that's generally right before the mayflies start hatching and all that, you know, so it's all kind of part of the process. But I think there's something about those rusties that they don't, they won't eat those. They don't like them. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I mean. It tastes like chicken and nut fish. Yeah, someone talk, talk about it. <laughs> they, they prefer Parmesan garlic sauce and those are covered with rusty habanero dude i will eat the <laughs> hell out of some crayfish oh man i had it once i don't know yeah. oh I'll, i did i don't know we've caught them in minnesota we've, gotta, we've trapped them and did a big boil up at jake's cabin multiple thanks. times once again i keep telling people thanks for the invite well that was that was like four <laughs> four years ago now yeah so i've had it once it was all right i don't know it's probably i'm guessing it just it, it was, was just it just didn't taste like much i'm like all right whatever good stuff well there's a process to it you know they're filters so you you gotta really just oh i'm sure they didn't cook them right yeah yeah i don't probably know. didn't know what they're doing we, we did them up right they were good yeah pretty much had uh like uh what the hell is it sodium or salt spice like hangover after that though you oh, know because i bet yeah you gotta flush them so you fill the cooler up you know yeah dump your well first you run water through it so you clean them out you, you want to do this as your recipe at the end of the episode perfect all right save, the, save that <laughs> oh, yeah. unless you had a different one well, no i didn't even think of <laughs> oh, think okay. of a recipe so i take peanut butter and jelly and put some <laughs> fish in the middle all right yeah save that for uh, the, the oh, well, well let me see crayfish i'll write it down here crawfish <laughs> recipe yeah perfect so anyway so 
anybody on either side, hey, if you want to come in here, now I'm not opening this up to some jackass with his opinion on Facebook. I'm talking like officials on both sides, resort owners, cabin owners, DNR, Glyphwick. Someone with history. People that actually have say in what's going on or should have say. Apparently there's people that aren't invited to meetings that probably we should be in the meetings too. But hey, what do we know? Yep. Um, hey, let me know. I'll if you can't come down here, I I have truck, I have mics, I have cameras, I will travel. Okay. So and if you don't agree with what I say, here's my coffee cup. Talk, change my mind. Okay? All right. Anyway, I should have had some coffee. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So we'll leave that alone for now. All right, that's Malax. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Don't just... put coffee in your coffee mug. Change my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Change my mind. All right, so let's, uh, instead of talking about them and why there's apparently none of them around, let's talk about how to catch them. Walleyes. Just getting into walleye fishing, we'll say. Mm-hmm. What is your, what would be your, if you were to tell somebody who's just getting into walleye fishing, the number one setup, like number one lure, number one bait, whatever to use in your mind? Jigs. Okay. Um, yeah, jigs. Perfect. You know, and if you're starting out to like, uh, and you don't have boating opportunities early season, um, pretty much. I guess it depends on how the weather is and how everything sets up and when the fish are spawning or bait or whatever. But generally speaking, before uh, June, you can catch them off the shore. There's plenty of shore angling opportunities, whether you're in the metro or pretty much anywhere. Look for somewhere with a little current, whether it be a culvert or a river, um, some, some, something pushing, and uh, start casting. Yeah, basically. I mean, he's jigging a minnow. Jigging a jigging a crawler, jigging yep. a leech, and when you're talking about jigs, if you just want to go, we'll just go with the Northlands because that's hi shirt and hat. Hi, I'm on their staff. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, the Fireball jig and the RZ jig. Um, for me, I like the Fireball for like minnows, and the RZ jig for leeches, crawlers. Okay, I know. Fireballs have a wider gap, so <clears throat> that's why typically they're used for minnows. Right. And generally speaking, too, if I'm going to be casting or approaching something that early time of the year, most of the time their forage is minnows. Like, you can pick up some spot tail shiners. Don't get the goldens. I mean, no matter what anyone tells you, go <laughs> worthless. Yeah, we're, we're, except for the winter because yeah, there's nothing else. Put one of them license plates on a tip up. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> yeah, a northern right, a good right. time with some northerns, but but no, get some spot tail shiners. Get some fatheads. You can get away with fatheads. They work great for walleyes too. Don't let anyone tell you any different, especially in that early season. Um, you can do that. Just keep it super simple. Eighth ounce jig, generally you're going to be shallow. Don't go any heavier than that. I mean, some people will want to cast it way out there, but you you don't really need to. Um, I like working lighter jigs. Another thing is, is plastics. Twister tails always work really good, whether it's like a Lindy Munchie Grub, um, any of the bee fishing stuff, the Moxies. Um, there's, there's all kinds of good plastics out there. Uh, you want something that a little bit softer i kind of like the split tail of like the munchies grub i don't even think they make them anymore um but they those were great especially for the river and current you don't really have to roll them fast um 
and uh, North Northland tackle swimming grub. Yeah, well, the impulse go. stuff the is impulse, pretty close yeah. too. That's I've it's, used, a, it's the old school grub, whatever. But it's got the split tail on. Yeah, it, yeah. So, no, those yeah. those those are those look look great. I yeah. haven't used those, but uh, I have used some of the impulse stuff. Um, I know their tubes work nice for for bass, but um, well, let's go back to the jig weight for a second. Yeah, when you're picking a jig weight. You want it to where you can feel the bottom, but you're not feeling the bottom. That's right. why he said lightweight. Go with as light as you can where you still feel bottom and maintain control. Yep. So if you're in you know, a current, a heavy current, an eighth-ounce jig, you, you might want to go up a little bit. Right. Make sure you can feel that bottom. Make, con- maintain control of that jig, you know. If you're, in a, if you're in a lake in 10 feet of water, you can throw a 16th out there. Right, you know? right. And if you're if you're river fishing or something like a 3A, so, I mean, that'll, that'll do the job. And another thing is if you're throwing plastics, you can get away with a heavier jig. But if you're live baiting, I always try to stay at least – casting from shore i like to stay light so when you pitch the jig out there and you're working it back towards you i mean give it a little time let it hit the bottom it's not going to take as long as you think generally and as you're working it back it has a more natural reaction with that minnow on there looking wounded versus dredging the bottom mm-hmm. you know so and another thing too that a lot of people uh i don't know if people do this but uh i had a lot of success on uh Rapala X wraps, casting those early season, slow rolling them. You can twitch them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the walleye seem to like them a lot. I like the just the plain white, the pearl white. That was that was always a good color, pretty much no matter where I went. And I'm kind of dipping back towards like when I didn't have the big boat or didn't have all the gear. Like so, shore angling opportunities. Um, you know, pretty much any culvert you see on the side of the road, any place that you know, you, you'll see people there in the spring. Any right. Anywhere there's a place where they're catching walleyes and you can access it by the shore, you know, which I think it's 33 feet off the center of the road is an actual easement. So depends that, on where you are. Yeah. I've been fishing a bridge and a cop goes behind me by about two feet, just keeps going. <laughs> Keep going. You don't care. Right. Yeah. So there, there's that's that's the way I'd probably approach early season. Um just to get get out there and get your feet wet or whatever, you know. You can right. wait wait around too. A lot of people do that, you know. Just grab some plastics, um, maybe a couple crankbaits. Number five, shallow run and shatter wrap. That's always a good one. You can get away with uh, deep run shatter wrap if it's a little bit deeper, um, as far as like maybe five feet and above, just based off the depth curve. You know, you're not really going to hit the bottom um, with that deep runner, but. That shallow runner seems to work pretty good too. I, I think it's got a little different wobble than the the deep running shad wrap. Five or sevens, those those are always good colors. Kind of represent um, whatever your um, forage base in the lake, whether it's shiner or suckers. You know, kind of stay with a little bit more of those natural colors, unless it's really muddy water. Then you want to liven it up a little bit. Right, right, right. Fire tiger, that's always right. I hear yeah, people, no matter, no matter, no matter, matter what, the, what. No matter what, buy a fire tiger, which is just the green with black stripes, yep. basically, and then buy some other random colors. Yeah, know. if it's got chartreuse or if it's fire tiger. Yeah. Jig colors, too. <laughs> right. Well, then, yeah, let's, so let's stick with jigs for now, because it's, like I said, you know, the, when you get in the crankbaits, it's a little... Right. A little more advanced. So, yep, yep. Um, you know, if we end up talking about jigs the whole time, I don't care. Um, so jigs... Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, um, when it comes to colors, it's, for me, it's really dependent on the clarity of your water. 
if it's really clear water, go more natural. Like I like using the 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 blacks, the black and silvers, um, the kind of the uh, not really a gold gold, but kind of a dulled down gold. Yep. And then if it's dirtier water, bright colors, the chartreuses, the oranges, the parrots, stuff like that, the fire tigers. Um, I love fire tigers working in clear water too because it's like a perch, that kind of thing. But I've I don't know my thing. Sometimes with, it doesn't matter. My thing with <laughs> colors is goofy. Like uh, um, last weekend, I was talking about jigging or whatever, and uh, it seems like each year I almost have a new color that works anywhere. That's, oh really? That's that's my confidence color. Yeah. So like last year, for instance, it was well and jig style. Um, I normally don't like. Uh, like the fireball style, right? That's normally not great. No, well, no. Hear me out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Last year, you know, unless I'm deep vertical jigging, I'll use those. Well, I don't like the DMCs. Blah blah blah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, last year I started using that a little bit more, mm-hmm. and that was because I was using those uh, VMC Dominator jigs, which is the same style. You know, you can hook up the stinger. You know, yeah. very similar, but just a little different color pattern. That's all. And uh, I was. It seemed like anywhere I went with the leech, it was the chartreuse in white, VMZ Dominator. And then if I switched it up, you know, they had the UV uh, chartreuse orange and white. Mm-hmm. And it looked mm-hmm. like, you know, little fire tiger stripes. Yep. That one was good. And then the blue. So so those three last year, I pretty much always had one on um, just because previous years, the FinTech, um, eighth ounce knuckle head you know that style yep, which is kind of yep. goofy stand kind, up. it's a stand-up jig yeah kind yep. of similar style but in like a blood like metallic red that thing was oh, awesome yeah. like for a couple of years in a row on and off um it's, i mean they're jigs yeah it's, pink and white i don't care what brand jig you use it's a ball of metal with a hook sticking out of it yeah Okay. Well, it there, depends on how you fish them, too. It does. Well, I mean, there's, there, you know, like I said, there's the RZ jig. You know, we'll just take Northland. The RZ jig and the fireball. And that's, the, com- that's the stand-up. No, the RZ jig is just your kind of long shank, but doesn't have the wide gap hook. Doesn't have, it's kind of got the little bump of a bait keeper. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like your standard gumball. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then your fireball jig has the wider gap. Even it doesn't have as long of a shank, except now they have the long shank jig. Right. Um but yeah, it depends on what you're using it for. For yep. me, color-wise, the RZ jig under a bobber with a leech, the black and black and gray, black and silver, whatever it was, just black and gray. Mm-hmm. It, it has a couple of like little white eyes on it, and it's just enough to where it catches their attention with that little bit of white, I think. Yeah. But it still looks like the same bait all the way across and not like a big yellow jig with leech on right you know if i was in darker water dirtier water then you throw on some some uh brighter colors to get their attention then it comes up right you know but from really clear water like malax it's gin clear at 20 feet these days or further you don't need those bright colors all the time yeah well and and it all depends i kind of have of course gold works no matter where you go yeah and that's that's something goofy like unless it's but golden shiners can't catch a fish well (laughs) unless unless it's lake of the woods or rainy yeah i don't have a gold on unless my grandpa's in the boat because he's like wow you needed some of them gold jigs you know yeah so but well jigs are yeah dragon jigs i like those for crawlers and plastics also current cutters from northland um bee fishing hutch's tackle has their other style they all kind of look like the current cutter it's like this 
same mold and those were great for crawlers and plastics yeah like those and I'll, I'll use them on minnows too is you know if i'm in a weedy application you know where i can just pop it through you know i'll i'll snip the um the bait keeper off or whatever because it's just a wire coming out of there and uh i think the hutch's tackle works a little bit better for the minnows because it's got a stiffer bigger hook in it and they're all the same style jig head but the bee fishing and the northland they got like a little bit lighter wire hook which is nice for like flexibility and stuff mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know i i tend to use those specifically for um crawlers or plastics just yeah they're they're more of a plastics jig yeah um and they work i i love them with live bait too though like the right. current cutter well now that's now that's where you have the the new long shank fireball where you can actually double hook it hook that minnow yep with that longer shank, you know, you go in the mouth, out the gill, kind of come up, stick it in the back, whatever. Brian Brosdell's got a really good video on that one. Um, their UV colors, too, look sweet. Yeah. I like their new colors on uh, those. I'll show you some later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. I got some in. Yeah. <laughs> they got a weird, like, minty green. It's like a seafoam green color. Huh. Yeah. It's weird. I'm interested to try it. I know uh, one of my favorite jigs, too, is, is called the Last Supper, right? Now picture this i i know i've showed you it and when i tell you it you're gonna be like oh that freaking thing but uh scott varela makes them out of new york mills at uh what is it finn's best uh bait and tackle and uh you know he just does his own jigs he makes them 16th ounce a little bit bigger um hook shank you know red so you know they're geared for walleye specifically you know mm-hmm. bigger hook nice colors but this last supper it's like it literally looks like it was sitting in a smoker's ashtray for and it's like caramelized for years you know oh, really oh it's got gold eyes with black around them it's kind of like a white base but like once again like picture like 20 smokers blowing smoke at it for yeah. about 100 years and it's just got that like looks like the ceiling of your local bar 10 years ago yeah brown like oh. tint to it you know or whatever and it's just crusted but that that jig is that one's been good ever really? just about everywhere too that was one of my confidence jigs a couple years ago too it seemed like everywhere i go it just oh the last supper you know but yeah I, colors you can mess with and how how you're fishing your jigs is one of the biggest thing if you're casting if you're pitching are you long lining yeah are you are you rip jigging you know i've seen guys pull them at over a mile an hour just you know, pump it, and that's yep. one thing that I, you know, I've done too. After I seen people that's have how success, we, that's how we caught the first fish on otter tail. We were just oh, cruising yeah, along, and I just was long lining it. I think Matt might have been pitching and casting out as we were going along, but I just had a, I don't even know, cruising who knows, hundred feet and behind the are, boat. I wasn't even ripping it, but I was just pulling it up about, you know, three yep. foot, and then just letting it sink all the way back, let it drag for a little bit, rip it up a little, you know, just rip it a little bit. And then just let her go. And then I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. There's a fish. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's the thing about, uh, you know, jigs. You can fish them so many different ways. Oh. And it's a perfect, and for people that, you know, bass fish that really haven't walleye fished, it's the perfect first setup first bait first lure to fish walleyes because if you're pitching if you you can pitch it you can flip them you can drag them you whatever right i mean you throw it out there and you just bring it back just like a bass just like a craw you know jig in in bass fishing just hop it along the bottom hop it along the bottom that's how we caught them on our tail after that first one we ended up just pitching out and just dragging them hopping them hopping them dragging them and uh 
So yeah, jigs are wonderful for the first, you know, for your bass guys. Cause you're going to be like, Oh, well this is just bass fishing. Right. And I actually told Matt after the first one, I caught it and I go, Oh yeah. All right, cool. And he's like, what are you doing? I go, well, apparently I'm bass fishing. Cause I, <laughs> I just cast it out 30, 40 feet or whatever. And literally just kind of gave it a couple of pumps, let her fall down, reel in the slag, gave her a couple pumps and then boom, it was a fish. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's so many different cadences. Yeah. There's so many different ways you can fish it. One thing that I did. Well, there's no right or wrong way to, to bring it back either well there's no right or wrong way to do anything in fishing well that's something that gildersleeve talks about all (laughs) the time you know and uh sure you know there there might be a general but throw your own twist on whatever and mess with the colors um if if you're going out for the first time and you're just trying to get geared up you know just buy a handful of colors buy chartreuse and green yep buy pink and white maybe buy a solid orange or chartreuse and orange i i don't really personally like the chartreuse and orange if it's solid orange yeah and, and you can get away with like a fire tiger or like a blue blue and white jigs those are normally pretty good too the blue i think it's parrot parrot from northland it's blue yellow orange something yeah like that. and then yeah maybe a little pink on yep. it but bro just, swears by that color and he hammers the fish grab a handful and buy them in different sizes too and you you are going to break off so make sure there's like you know just you can buy them in the three packs for relatively cheap you can walk out with a decent starter selection of jigs for 15 or 20 bucks oh you you can go to reeds and all the places that have the bulk bulk you don't even have to get into the multicolored selection right just go get some yellows some oranges get a black get you know the blue get the red get unpainted just get normal unpainted yep because in a lot of situations that works just as well unpainted but because by you're fishing a bunch of rocks and stuff by about your 20th cast there's no paint on your jig anyway (laughs) so and you still catch fish with them oh yeah but yeah, just buy, you know, like go every other size, you know, get a 16th, get in, you know, whatever double the 16th is. Is that an eighth? That's an eighth. Ounce. Yeah. Get a yeah. 16th, get an eighth, you know, um, just kind of, you don't have to get every size. Three just sixteenths, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Just get a few different sizes and a couple dozen different jigs and you're fine. Yep. You know, and then what do you, what do you use for line? Um, are you a mono guy? No, no, I am not. So I'm just a braid to a floral leader. Well, depending on the water, it's one thing I've been messing with a lot these past few years and, uh, not that I have it down, but I know what I prefer, you know, um, I've, there's tons of good jig fishermen on the otter tail area and I try to pick and, you know, take a little bit from each one of them. Right. Yep. Um, so you got Scott, he's a rip jigger, you know, he'll, he'll do the floral and it's so windy up there all the time or mono and they want that cause you can. It, it acts a little bit better. It's it's more subtle. And for years, braid wasn't very subtle up until like these past few. So they're used to that. And, uh, you know, it casts a little bit better in the wind, you know, a lot better in the wind generally, um, depending on the type of braid. Now it's ramped its game up. So I, I, I generally use braid and I'll use high vis for the most part. Um, and then I'll do a double uni knot. I don't do I don't do the uh, swivel on my jig rods. Um just because normally I'm working that right back at me and that jig isn't spinning around. Right. You know, I'm, I'm working, I'm working that jig, no matter whether I'm back trolling, whether I'm pitching, I'm, I'm working that jig all the time. So I don't, I don't experience line twist. I'll do like an eight pound, eight thirty two suffix or eight pound. One thing I really like is the nano fill 
um, Berkeley Nanofill. It's relatively cheap compared to most other braids too, and it's really it's really sub- subtle. Like it's it's fl- you mean subtle? Sub yeah, whatever. Subtle, not yeah. subtle. Yeah. <laughs> or are you trying to say supple? Supple. Supple. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's really malleable. <laughs> yeah, that word. It's a subtle supple. <laughs> subtle. <laughs> Supped on my. <laughs> and now for your new word. <laughs> word of the day. Yeah, word of the day by Kyle Hot Pants Menefeld. Subtle. Anyway, subtle. It's malleable. Okay. okay. It's supple. It, it flows. It's limp. It's like. Supple. Yeah, it works great. Whereas older braids, like, you know, some of the spider wire stealth. Oh, stiff some of the fire line. Yeah. It's, they don't cast very good. But but that nanofill, that acts really good. I like that, especially with lighter jigs. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like that nanofill, if you couldn't tell. And I'll. Uh, do, you, do you like the nanofill? I like the nanofill. You like the nanofill. Okay. Um, he, he likes the nanofill. But make sure if you do go that route and get nanofill, it's not. At, the tensile strength isn't as good as some of the other braids. Um, so. On your double uni after every few trips, uh, chop, you know, tie a new tie a new leader on. Yeah. Uh, make sure your knots are good and you'll be fine. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much just a uh, fireline guy. Ten pound white fireline. Yeah. And then oh. on, and that's what like literally I just put that pretty much on all my rods. I did try some of the the tracer which is like segmented. Okay. Because I was kind of using it for the depth. Yeah. You know whatever I, whatever. I'll probably just go back to white, but, uh, white. And then I just tie on, you know, a 10 pound fluorocarbon leader yep. or mono leader, depending on the situation. Um, I use the lefty cray knot. Lefty cray. Yeah. Lefty cray. Huh. I don't even. Yeah. That's I'm what not I, that's a what knot I used guy. To, no. Not in the least bit. You kind of overlap them and you yep. make a loop with them. So you overlap them. So it's kind of like, you know, just a loop. Okay. And then you just. Stick your finger in the loop. You one, two, twist it three times. Grab your leader in, pull it through, tighten it up. Oh, lefty cray. Is it an old fly tire? How or does fly it, fisherman? And that goes through the guides pretty, yeah. pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, you just trim. You just get it as tight as you can. Mm-hmm. You trim it down as much as you want. I've never had a problem with it. Yeah. The only thing I've had a problem with it is um, there's a one kind of bobber I use that it doesn't like going through. But that's okay. just because the hole in the bobber, bobber is really, really tiny. Yep. But it works through any other slip bobber or whatever. So Okay. But yeah, anyway, I just 10 pound. F- I, I do on my bobber setup, I do, um, I have been doing the swivel. Just. Well, you're casting yeah. it. It's a little different. It's hanging yep. there. Yep. You know, yep. the middle might swim. So. Yeah. So, and then I don't do the lefty cray on there anymore. Yep. That's why I switched the swivel. I'm like, it doesn't work anyway, but I like the bobbers. Yep. And then I'm like, eh, I'll just keep the whatever. Yep. No, bobbers, bobbers, I've done that too. Yep. Um, Another another suggestion if you're a big fireline guy, try that Ultra Carrier 8. It's kind of an in between, in between the standard fireline and then the nano fill. So, yeah, I, I haven't. Tr- I'm so my problem is I was going to try it last year. It's good, but I am so used to fireline. Yeah. I don't want to switch. Step outside of your comfort zone. Suffix 832 I've, is awesome, too. I've I've tried it. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a okay. good line. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just so used to Fireline. I know how it's going to work in the wind. I know how it's going to feel. Yep. I don't want to change. Oh, I get it. That's what <laughs> I, I use on my on my jig and wrap rod, that uh, um, Ultra Carrier 8 in the white. Yeah. That that stuff is strong. I like That's that. What everybody that has used it says they like it. So I'll probably end up switching over to that. Yep. Because, I mean, it's not like it's going to hurt me, but, right, you know, I'm just a fisherman or creatures of habit. Can't teach Some things you just don't change <laughs> unless you really have to or you really get bored. Yeah, well, and just it's just a try it, too, because um, 
you know, some days the way your line is cutting through the water might work better than the way my line is too. Right. You know, so it's nice to have two different things, you know, in the boat, if you're fishing or whatever, yeah. um, you know, and then change if it's not. So like I'll have some, some jig rods with floral on there too. I'll have, you know, a couple of them with P line, you know, if it's yeah. really windy out and stuff, I'll use that. Um, yeah. Or on a bobber, bobber rig. Cause I like a little bit more more stretch in that but and if you want to get real technical into line and r- learn a lot about line i'll just send you over to linder that linder and their youtube channel mm-hmm. i'll let them teach you about line yep <laughs> they've it's, it's crazy well we use this line and this pound and this and this and this for this setup exactly and that so if you want to f- figure out what exact line you should probably try on your bobber setup right i just used i like the same line on everything because who knows what I'm grabbing. Yep. And it just works for everything. Oh, yeah. So. And I've been just monkeying around with all kinds of different lines just because, I mean, I'm not, I mean, maybe I am. I don't, I don't even know, to be honest. Don't, don't even know. know what's on the rod. No, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if, if I'm aligned with anybody who makes line. And if I am, I don't care because I want the oh, best, I'm not best al- line either way. Yeah. So. I'm not I've aligned been, with anybody. I just started using Fireline and I'm like, yeah, I like it. And then I'm just like, yep, I'm used to it. Okay. Right. Now I, it's an extension of me because I know how it's going to work. <laughs> you know, it's just like your favorite rod. Yep. You know, you got 45 rods, but there's that one rod that you can make the perfect cast every time because you know exactly how that tip is going to bend and that line's going to come off and everything's going to you know it's just it's just getting used to it so oh yeah it's like buying a new set of golf clubs don't do it halfway through the season <laughs> I, I would know nothing about that <laughs> anyway all right fine <laughs> give me the happy gilmore putter <laughs> Any, if anybody wants this five handicap yeah 95 percent of people just went what? what the hell's a handicap smackdown golf i knew he was weird <laughs> yeah um yeah so what else do we need to cover when it comes to jigs um, you can use you can use them under a bobber you can pitch them you can cast them you can snap jig them you snap can drag them you can rip rib jig them there's uh, you can just drag them a thousand different cadences you can fish light jigs deep believe yep. it or not let a lot of line out yeah and pull slower yep go slow so if you're lindy rigging big minnows in the fall i know i've done that with an eighth ounce jig in close to 30 feet of water you're just dragging it slow and then when you're popping it you can pop it the same way you would when you're shallow um and that jig you know it falls and flutters the same you just got to let more line out and with the braids and stuff nowadays, you you don't lose many fish because you're not worried about when you go to set that hook, especially if you have the proper rod for for the task at hand, you know? Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, dragging, dragging jigs. A lot of guys drag them on the river, so you can drag them when you're rigging, you know, if slow fall, deep fish. You don't always have to be vertical or you don't always have to be shallow. Um, yeah, there's a build, there's your cadence is everything too you know so once you find something that's working you know kind of pay attention to the little details how many as i'm fishing you know when i'm whether it's glide baits jigs if i have a spinning rod in my hand and i'm and i'm working a bait no matter what it is i'm always paying attention to how many half turns of the reel it is before i pop i'm counting one one thousand like on every pop or Mm -hmm. whatever you know and pause you know just pay attention to those little details you know you don't have to get too crazy with it but if you just have a general idea once you find something that's working you can replicate that just based off of those um based off of those little little things you're doing you know so pay attention to those and you can try anything fast hard 
slow, soft, drag. It it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> I thought you were explaining like a like a boys to men song there for a second. Hard, fast, slow, soft. Yeah, I could, yeah. we could. But it's true. It. It's it's you know. Cadence. And, and bass guys are going to get it right away because it's the same kind of thing. Throw it out there and then bring it back in a certain rhythm, certain cadence. And, you know, change if your fish aren't biting, change it up. Change up the cadence. And don't be afraid to try something, you know, off the wall. Like give it a real big hop and let it sit for five seconds. Yeah, let it crash. And then drag it a little bit and give it another big hop and let it sit there. Yep. Or just boom, 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 boom. Or, you know, whatever. Right. Change up the size. Change it up. Change up yep. the color. My my dad, you've you've probably seen or at least heard stories like when he's jig fishing in the front of the boat, he'll have a hundred jigs by the end of the day laying all over the thing, you know, just trying different colors. So and and generally he gets to something, you know, gets to where he needs to be with that method. But Sean's the same way too. When they're in the boat, they're changing, they're tying different colors, different jigs. You know, if we're going through fishing, they're not firing as I'm working the boat. I mean, all kinds of they're they're trying all kinds of different uh, cadences, all kinds of different colors until you get the right recipe, you know, in yep. order for the fish to And bite. when you're fishing with, you know, another guy, tie two different colors on. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or three, depending on how many people are in the boat. Make sure everybody's got different. It can be the same size. That's fine. But different colors and go drastically different colors. Not like, you know, a yellow and then a brighter yellow <laughs> or a duller yellow. Go pink, orange, yellow gold pink blue you know try different colors until all of a sudden you start figuring out right you know and then this is the color yep and then that's where you can add like the brighter yellow or the you know once you kind of get geared on right, to- right, towards right. the color then you can kind of start tweaking that you know is it yeah. one with little fire tiger stripes is it a uv coated one yeah you know typically once you find the color ish you know color if they're hitting on yellow mm-hmm. it's typically just yellow yep. with a jig with a jig sometimes you know, crankbaits and stuff are different. Right. But. Yep. The mm-hmm. fish are, the fish are goofy. Mm-hmm. Walleyes are, I don't know, a lot of people say they're dumb, but I think, I don't know, I think they're a little smarter than we like to give them credit for. I'd like to, well, I've been, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts and watching videos and stuff. And, and one thing that I never really thought about is, I can't remember which podcast they were talking about this on, but they were fishing and they saw it on the camera that the walleyes were just coming up and not open mouth, just coming up and bumping the the jig. Just hmm. bumping it. Just coming up and bumping it. Apparently, they have taste buds on the outside of their mouth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Learned so if it wasn't bad enough, they, were, they weren't a picky enough fish. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently they can come up and taste it without even opening their mouth. They can just come up and boom. Reaction bites from here on out. <laughs> apparently so, yeah. 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 Um, let's see what else. Uh there's stand up jigs. Yep. Which the bottom is flat. It's kind of at a forty five degree angle, which is something you typically snap. Um you can cast it out and bring it back too, but it keeps that tail of that bait up and a lot of times that's well, you can use it for live bait and everything too, but it uh kind of the three to four inch plastics minnows um yep, minnow shaped baits that really works well on Minnow. those grassy flats sand flats stuff like that where they're they're uh hopping around to yep so uh let's see jig 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 anything else anything else there is so much out there for people to 
check out on YouTube if they want to see any actual footage of how to work jigs. Um, just, yeah, go just, ahead and go to YouTube. Just search early season jig don't, walleye. Don't bother me. Linder, Linder does the stuff, well, tons of stuff. There's tons of Linder stuff out there. Larry Smith Outdoors, the Lund Ultimate Angling Experience oh, yeah. has, Hell, t- just, has tons of stuff. Just YouTube jig walleye fishing. Yep, yep. <laughs> You'll find out way more. I'm just, you know, like last week with the bass episode, I was just telling you what to use, you know, what to try out. Head over to YouTube, Google, you know, Google it, whatever. Right. Yeah. So what's your second type of fishing somebody should learn when they get into walleye? You got your jig. And then what's your second setup? Bottom bouncing. Bottom bouncing. You got anything easier for something? We're talking about people that are just getting into it. Bottom bounce can be a little, a little hard, a little intimidating. How about just rigging with a slip sinker? Because that's easier. I think it, I don't think so. That's easier because you're just dragging it on the bottom. You don't have to worry about it just ticking off the bottom. Well, I I don't know. Let me explain and then we'll, we'll talk right. about the difficulty. He's going to teach you how to use a bottom bouncer. Now we're talking rigging with a bottom bouncer, like what we were doing. Yeah, on the river pulling. No, yeah. Well, no, no, not with a three way or anything. Just your standard uh, bottom bouncer. They have a okay. wire. So let's uh, envision this wire like this. Wait in the middle. Wire going that way. See that? You're over, that? You're over here. Wire going that yeah, way. Yeah. And then for there's you, this, for there, you audio people, just Google bottom bouncer. <laughs> there's a snap on the end, and that's what you put your snell on. And generally, you're going to pull spinners of some kind. Or for like me, like I don't pull a spinner on a. Um, I won't pull spinners if I'm if I'm pulling a big minnow. And I'll do this with giant chubs and red tails, but the Northland uh, slip stick. That works great, and then my favorite. The wire is a little bit di- there. There is no um, horizontal wire on that, so that that way you can set it up with a bobber stop or a snap, and you can feed the fish with the big minnow when you get hit. And the the whole purpose of um, bottom bouncing is cover water fast. That's that's it. Cover water fast. So you drop. Drop your weight, and generally speaking, they're going to be a big, big weight, normally two to three ounce, depending on the depth of water. If I'm so, how do you determine? Is there like a, a foot? I know the answers to this, but you know, how many feet down to how big of a weight are you using here? What, what I personally like to do is anything over 25 feet, I'll go to a three ounce weight, um, from about 17 to 25 i'll do it too and then less than that so yeah like 15 feet or less i'll do like a one ounce or a one and a half ounce weight um especially if it's a little bit choppier or muddy water but you don't want a lot of line out with this and with that big weight you're able to feel the bottom when you drop it down and you're going to be moving relatively quick um normally 1.2 to 1.5 miles an hour or 1.4 miles an hour and when you drop drop it down you can feel it hit the bottom it's almost instantly normally you reel up one crank and try to keep your boat in that same depth in order to cover that water efficiently you don't have to keep messing messing around with reeling up and and double checking just know that once you have it set to that depth at that speed everything is going to be all good as long as you keep your boat in the same depth um 
your line will be roughly at like a 45 degree angle. It's not going to be way out behind the boat. And when the fish hit it, your rod will load up and you just kind of sweep the rod forward. There is no big Bassmaster classic hook set falling over the boat, breaking your rod in half. Generally, those fish hook themselves. And if they don't, don't reel. Leave leave that rod in place or follow it back towards the fish. Don't free spool. Don't do that because then you're going to have problems with the weight hitting the bottom and everything acting goofy and falling in the water column. Just leave it if you miss a fish, whether it be crawlers, minnows, leeches, and nine times out of ten, give it a couple seconds, that fish will come back and smash that bait. And uh, once again, you can follow it back. So take and follow the rod back as you're getting bit. Right about there, sweep, set. And with all that weight and all the tension of you going fast, you normally get get good hookup ratios. I mean, I don't know what if you have any other different tweaks. I mean, that's generally how I like to do it. And I'm not an open water troller, you know, so some people pull spinners. Everybody talks about pulling spinners. I'm not talking about pulling spinners. I'm talking about bottom bouncing. Yeah. You know, well, you can a, a different. It's a different technique. Yeah. Because pulling spinners, you can just throw it back there with a horseshoe weight and pull spinners. Right. Bottom bouncer is a specific technique to get your bait in the strike zone that you want and keep it there and it's keep a, it towards the bottom and you can hook up a lot of different bait systems whether it's spinners whether it's slow death you can put a crankbait back there blades, if you really want to smiley yeah. blades uh plain, butterfly blades snow. yeah any anything like that so it's a it's a really good system to learn um basically it's like rigging but you're keeping it down there on the bottom in that strike zone and you're going fast yeah you're going faster yeah if you one thing typical rig and you're going like a mile an hour ish give or, or take. less give yeah, or take you know generally yeah. unless you're power bombing or something like some of these people are doing nowadays but right but anyways when you're going that fast too it's that method allows you to cover a lot of water and it allows you to get reaction bites and it allows you to if you're on a new body of water that's my go go to almost all the time um, once you get a little bit later in the season, I've had success with lighter weights, shallow early season, also power fishing that way. But, um, normally it's a later in the season, you know, especially if there's a bug hatch, if there's big clouds of minnows, pull, pull, pull them through there, whether it be a crawler on a slow death or spinner in a leech, uh, spinner in a crawler, um, like plain hook in a giant red tail or Creek chub. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's one of my it's one of the funnest ways to fish to when they're biting on it, you know, cuz you can really you're really fishing with your boat. You know, you put your rod in the rod holder, you want kind of more of a moderate, so a slower action so that way that rod can load up and the fish, you know, almost hooks itself. Parabolic bend is what you're looking for. Yeah. A parabolic action. It's a big whippy soft pole yeah it's not an extra fast like you'd want for jigging or something like that but a little bit slower taper and then because you want that rod to load up but you're you're like i said you're really fishing with your boat so you're following that contour focusing on that depth um you know trying to figure out the right recipe and it really lets you graph too so if i'm graphing you know whether it be um 
just checking out a spot and it looks good, but I got a lot of water to cover. I'll throw down the bouncers or if I'm guiding, you know, on the back, I'll have three ounces, you know, and this is where the weights get a little bit different for depth dependency. I'll throw down the big ones in the back, the lighter ones in the middle and the lightest ones off the front, you know, so that way we control four lines in reverse or five lines in reverse and not get tangled up. Um, but it's, it's just a good way to cover water and present a lot of different options really fast to the fish Mm -hmm. so yeah no it a lot of people get intimidated by it right away because it's a whole nother piece of equipment in between you and the bait which is true it does take some getting used to you know some time getting used to it yep um and then you add in the slip slips to sinkers or slip um bottom bouncers yeah, or whatever the, like the, the slick stick. yeah the yeah, slick slick stick slick sticks from northland which i pretty much just use exclusively it's just one less thing whipping all around and you're contacting with the fish from the line goes through it yep you know and you you can feel that fish the whole way from the littlest bite to the biggest bite yep which is the one thing i don't like about a bottom bouncer is you can't always feel the fish right away i like yeah. and i'm always holding i'm always holding the rod if i get you know unless you know, I'm using a bottom, an actual true bottom bouncer. I'm always holding the rod because then I can feel the fish. I can feel the minnow, if, especially if I'm using a minnow. You'll feel we, it. You'll just feel it. We're tick. talking red tails. We're talking creek chubs, and you're holding that rod. We're, let's talk rigging here for a second. Kind of like you know, with a normal bottom bouncer, but the slick stick or a pencil pencil weight. Um, the line goes through an eyelet on the top, straight to your hook got your red tail or your creek chub or your pike minnow or sucker or whatever on there and you are going mile an hour at the most typically it's more or less a half a mile an hour yeah i like to go a lot slower with the rig right and you're sitting there and you're going along and you just maintaining contact with the bottom and i use the lightest weight i can to feel the bottom Mm -hmm. so I'm, i'm using like the five eighths ounce sometimes when i'm rigging because you're light you're not moving as fast um you know and it's only about four or five in, or five inches long or whatever so you're going along and here's the thing when you're rigging red tails or creek chubs or whatever any minnow and you're using spinning setup keep your hand on the rod <laughs> keep your rod out of your rod holder keep it in your hand <laughs> open the bale and hold that line with your finger. Do not put it in the rod holder. I don't care if you've caught a fish with it in the rod holder. You're missing bites. Guaranteed you're missing bites. Everybody I've talked to. Oh, yeah. Keep it in your hand. Keep that bale open. Hold that line with your index finger. So when you feel that minnow freak out, and the first time you you're, you feel it, first time I felt it, I'm like, oh, it's just caught on some rocks. And then it was, oh, wait. No, because yep. a bigger pull came before that. You'll feel a vibration. Look at the rod tip. You'll see that vibration. Oh, yeah. You can't feel it if your rod is not in your hand. No, nope, not at all. So, you have to have the bail open, line in your hand. I know yes. some guys, um, I was just talking to Dave last weekend. They don't feed them. They don't feed them with the rigs. Not everybody does. But, a, but you generally keep your finger you know their yeah. theory is is yep. if it's a if the if it's a big fish and we want it they're gonna crush it you know i always right. feed them so I, my my finger is on the line and the bale is open yep. i can feel and i can see and everything's correlating at once yep um, so when you get when all of a sudden you feel that minnow freaking out freeze pool let your finger off the line let that line just feed out of that open bale yep stop the boat i stop the boat anchor mode spot lock whatever you want to call it 
let it let that fish take that bait let that fish take that bait i wake about 30 seconds i'll close the bail i'll slowly reel up the slack and i'll kind of give it a little tug and you know i don't reel it up real fast until the rod starts bending it's like i slowly just until i feel that weight mm-hmm. and i'll give it a kind of just a little bit of a bump bump you know just as just a couple of quick pulls and see what that fish does if i'm feeling it kind of tug back a, a, a few quick that means it's in my eyes that means it's still trying to eat that bait if all of a sudden it turns and goes i'm like okay well i got two options give it a little more make sure it's got it if it's a smaller like three or four inch you know minnow just set the hook if it's anything bigger than that i might let them go another 30 seconds close that bail again reel it up until all of a sudden your rod tip is at the water and when you are feeling a good heavy weight let her rip like your kevin van dam on a crankbait yeah one of the and that big, works for me one of the biggest things i found with rigging too is like a lot of people like rigging to, is fun as hell yeah well okay let's the difference for me between bottom bouncing and rigging we'll just they're say. two different things yeah um you don't want the weight to touch the bottom or be laying on the bottom with the bottom bouncer right with a rig you want that on the bottom <coughs> because your snell is what gives well that bait lift well I, I i want contact with the bottom with no matter what sinker i have yeah uh, on a rig well that's why i like using the slick sticks because even that smaller one's only five inches so the, you, you know at least your bait isn't dragging through the bottom right if you're using like some guys use egg sinkers i'm not going to knock them will pappenfuss loves the egg sinker what did he do on leech crushed everybody yep um crushed everybody i just like that that's slick 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 uh yeah anyway <laughs> the pencil weight we'll call it um just so i know that if there's any weeds you know that little grass any little rocks or whatever i can really feel the rocks i can keep that bait up above the weeds and walleyes where their eyes top of the head so if they're on the bottom, they'll be able to see that bait. Yeah. So and I like using bullet sinkers. So. You can use yeah, you can use bullet sink. I mean, there's a hundred different ways to do it. There's really no wrong way to do it, except keep the rod in your hand with the bail open and your line holding. Well, the, while you're rigging. Yes, yep. while you're rigging. While you're rigging. While you're rigging. Not bottom bouncing. Bottom bouncing's a different ball yeah. game. Bottom bounce. Make sure that your drag is set properly. Right. Make sure it can take line if really need be, and, and it doesn't if, just break you off. If you do have it in a rod holder, you need to be on the throttle with your reaction time. Yes, be quick. You don't want it to, I mean, yeah, you don't want it to triple over. No. You know, you, you want, want to kind of follow the fish back. Just be be there enough, yeah. you know, to follow the fish back. And, uh, that I mean, that works out. Yeah. That works out decent. But that's that's a good way to cover water quick on new bodies yeah yeah no bottom bouncing is awesome because you can put a lot of different baits back there you can keep the bait in that strike zone and there's some guys i know that they use like a four ounce weight no matter how deep they are because it keeps it pinned to the bottom Mm -hmm. keeps it you know not where it's dragging but it keeps it there right there and sometimes they said i said sometimes they have better luck using a heavier weight than they do for the proper weight to depth ratio yep I don't know. And a little tip, I mean, not that it's everybody's uh, cup of tea, but especially uh, when you're not fishing bottom bouncers, um, when you're not fishing them. uh... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I completely, I completely lost it there. But anyways, (laughs) flip and switch. Pardon me while I (laughs) freak the hell out. (laughs) 
I like using reels with a flipping switch. You know, not that it's something that you must go out and buy. I got a couple um, of those. You want to buy one? Want to buy two? Accurate? Yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've no, been looking it, for a reason to use them. I just haven't. Bottom mounts. I use them for bottom mounts. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I got them. I just haven't put a, put them on a rod yet and been able to really use them, use them. So. Yep. Especially when you're grabbing your new tiller handle, it's nice to instantaneously, you know, if you're holding that, you know, without having to click the oh, reel Oh, you're talking over. back trolling? Yeah. Oh, I'm just going forward with my new Ultrex. Well, even if you're forward trolling. <laughs> you still got to have your little remote thing. No, right? I don't. Not on my iPilot link. Uh, just hit that way, that that uh, depth contour line. Hit that. Tell it to go there. Keep on that. And I just sit back with the beer in one hand and the rod in the other and catch fish all day, son. Oh, yeah. I like to have, I don't know. I'm too old school <laughs> for that. I probably won't ever use that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's some fancy technology. I'm just so used to going left, right, left, right, left, right on the, you know, <laughs> the old remote that I'll be like, oh, okay. So. Well, with the remote or whatever, if you have yeah, one hand yeah, yeah, busy, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's nice having that flip and switch just for instantaneous control. Yep. Now, the flip and switch, that lets it out, right? Lets it out. Okay. Because yep. there's one, I don't know what it is, but it actually brings line up. Well, same yeah, type of that's deal. the that Daiwa made that reel. I'm trying to think of the name, but but yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking. The Twitch Twitch switch or whatever yeah. they called it. Yeah. But uh, and then also with the flipping switch too, you know, it's you can just you can just hit your spool, you know, and reel up that way. Yeah. You know, so I'll use my my thumb is constantly going if need be, but generally speaking, as you're fishing that way, try to not mess with that. Try to leave that weight. You know, because you're you're pulling it, you don't want it ripping up, ripping down, hitting right, bottom right, crap. Right. You know, and who knows, maybe that might trigger a bite. You know, yeah. I've seen weirder things happen, but normally you want to keep it keep it right in the the area you're yeah. trying. No, the flipping switch is nice though when you're going from shallow to de- to deeper, yep. so you're not having to open the bale and then close it and right. all that stuff. It's literally push a button and you let out yep. however much line you want. It's a lot more efficient. Yeah as far as bait casters go yeah thanks bass guys for making a cool reel yeah (laughs) i tried to use one bass fishing it sucked (laughs) i believe it i couldn't i couldn't get it down because it's like okay so i gotta press this down and then we're make sure that's pressed down while i flip but then my thumb isn't on the spool i'm like what the this is stupid dude bait casters are useless to me unless it's with the flip and switch <laughs> so oh, i can't figure out how to get them set right to cast a number five shallow and 30 mile an hour wind everyone oh yeah you can cast with these yeah right I'll, give me my spinning rod <laughs> i'll help you i'll help you they're easy walleye guys sorry walleye guys use bait casters all the time not this one I'm too old school. <laughs> I guess so. I'm 27 and I'm too old school. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't. It's it's not it's not the normal. You know. What no, I mean? I we're, know. we're bass guys. To get them to pick up a spinning rod, yeah. it's the same way. You know. If it so. ain't a drop shot, I don't want it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I yep. get it. Uh, let's see. What do I have on mine here? So we we talked about jigs. You talked about a. You talked about bottom bouncing, which is a way to get whatever presentation to stay on the bottom yep and behind that like we said you can here's a list of things to youtube uh slow death um spinner blades uh bottom bouncing no well yeah but behind the bottom bouncing yeah 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 like this this stuff behind there oh yeah spinners um, spinners max smiley blades max smiley blades northland butterfly blades yeah well they northland um, actually has some really good uh i think it was bro they had a really good breakdown about how to do that uh, it, it's either him or maybe it was joel nelson 
Um, but there's a couple of really good things as far as uh, bottom mounting goes. Yeah. Um, that yeah. North Northland has, you know, just a quick little three five minute how to, you know, yeah. expect. Um, explanation with visuals and all that stuff so yeah there's a lot of things you can you can uh drag behind a bottom bouncer yep so and then once you get floating jigs (laughs) yeah floating jigs all sorts of stuff and that's another well i use that sometimes just rigging too but um and once you get the bottom bouncer down then you guys can all graduate to three-way the three-way waiting system um very very similar I don't really understand. I've never been like a like. What's the point of three way when you have a bottom bouncer? Um, I'm asking. I, I it's a lot more versatile to change your weights quickly. So okay. like, I I don't really. The only time you'll see me with three ways is on a river, just because I might need to change my weights a lot or okay. change my leads. Um, like if you're doing crankbaits, like I have different length leads. Um, and then but you, you can do that pretty quickly with a bottom bouncer too, though. Yeah, but um. It's just a little bit easier to change the the dropper length too. You know, oh, okay. with the bottom bouncer, it's fixed based off your specific bottom bouncer. You know, if you break a weight off, if you break a lead off or something, you know, like with with me, like I got kind of a goofy system, and it's a lot more work in the off season. But when I'm fishing a river, which regardless of my recent Facebook post, I really want to fish the river this year. I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not trying to, to get out piss of piss everybody off with yeah. that one, but. Uh, um, We're not going to be fishing the river. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> well, I, I, all I had to do was throw out the projections, and everyone's you know clawing oh, at know, each other, yeah. which which I like it down there. But, but what I'll do is, oh, I'll, and by the way, it, uh, in case you guys have not heard, the NWT has moved to where'd they move to? Winnebago, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Was it, was it Winnebago? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. they were going to be down in Red Wing, so they moved to Winnebago. Uh, any other movements on any of the other tournament trails that were supposed to be down there? No. Not, okay. not at a, as of yet. Right. It'll be interesting to see if the MWC on Big Stone cancels or moves just due to their projection with flooding, which I, I don't think so, and I hope not. And, you know, for these smaller communities and stuff, too, I really hope in a, in a perfect world that everything would stay the same. Right. Um, but the MTT on the river is still still hanging on, and that's the April 26th and 7th. And then the Ames on the river, which is the Sunday of opening weekend, which is May 12th, 12th, 12th yeah. is still hanging on down there. So there's still those two tournaments and some local, tons of local bangers down there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it might turn out to be that it might be okay because I know we've been losing snow like crazy the last 24 hours, so... If it pushes now, yeah, we'll yeah, be we'll be we'll plenty be right. fine. I might have to go. I might have to tell Eric to get my boat ready sooner. <laughs> April sixth. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, river yeah. three way fishing. Yeah, go ahead. I'll have different different lengths from the three way to the weight, mm-hmm. and I'll have different lengths from the three way. Explain explain like what the three way is like. All it, the pieces of it. It's a swivel. That ties to your main line, or you can use a snap It's shaped snap in a swivel. T, so there's three things that come off. Or of like it. a Y. Or Y. Okay. Yeah, whatever. T, Y. There's, there's three hoops <laughs> there you go. that you have your lines coming to and from. Um, and one of them will go down to a weight. One of them will go to your main line, which goes to your rod and your reel. And then the third one, which is in the middle, will go to the line that you're fishing with. And... You can put spinners, you can put crankbaits, floating jigs. Um, some people will run two two lines on that, you know, or, or two three ways off of a dropper, you know, in order to get 
um, two baits out there at different lead lengths. And when I say lead lengths, it's the length that goes from your three way to your weight or the three way to your bait. Um, yeah, so there's so many different variations on, on how you can fish that and heavier weights with the crankbaits, you know, you're pulling pretty fast, especially with current. It's a good way to get them to the bottom without having a bunch of leg core out there. Um, typically you're just using, um, like a stick bait with not much of a lip on there or even no lip at all. Uh, it depends. You got to look at the depth curve. Um, yeah, cause you don't want to put like a number seven Rapala on a foot, you know, a foot above the bottom and put five feet cause you're going to be dragging on the bottom. Right. Yeah. You don't, you I just, they're, they're like the, what is the, a lot of people use floating baits or, or stick baits. Yeah. I'll use shallow run Chad wraps too. That's fine. I mean, you got to, depending on how you like to fish them, I don't, I like having about a five foot lead with my crankbaits and then probably about, it really all depends, but normally I'll, I have them tied up in one foot and two foot leads going down to the bottom. Um, or a little bit less than a foot, um, but a shorter and a longer. And normally I'll, I'll use that shorter and then about a five foot lead going to my crankbait. That way, when you get it up in the boat, I don't have, find myself having to fight, you know, with a bunch of this, this whole contraption, you know, I don't, that's the one reason I don't, I hate it. Cause you got a line coming off here. You got a fish with a line over there and it's just like, Jesus. Right. So I, I kind of yeah. like to keep them shorter. Yeah. Um, and the flat, that, the flat wrap, by the way, was the one I was thinking of. Flat wrap. Flat wrap. Wrap a little flat. Flat wrap. Oh, okay. Flat sides. I don't think it has oh, much yeah, of I, a Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're so talking about. That's, yeah, they, that's really, really popular with the with that three-way system. Yep. yep. I got a bunch of those, too. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't think of that. But yeah. I have it, I had it pictured in my mind, and I'm like, uh, and then you started talking. I said, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's like a it's like a wider, narrower, like uh, just a, a flat. Literally, the minnow, sides are- minnow, yeah. Like a smushed husky jerk. Yep. And yep. the bill is a little bit different. There's a little little bit of a cupping on the end of it. Yep. Um, but anyhow. But yeah, so it, normally people use stick baits or floaters and stuff. Uh, shad baits work work plenty fine too. Normally with that five feet or whatever, and with the way the current is and stuff, a balsa bait isn't going to dive off of five extra, you know, f- five feet from there, you know, because okay. the, the point is, isn't way up there, you know, like with your depth curve or whatever, you know, so it, I don't know. I don't, I don't get too worried about that stuff. So I, I know when that weight hits the bottom, I know where I am. Okay. Um, I just, for me and three way, we don't get along very well. Yeah. I've tried it a few times and every time I try it, I lose a brand new bait. So I stop using it. Yeah. I haven't had, <laughs> seriously. It's like every time I try it, I lose my brand new bait. <laughs> Last time it was like a $13 custom UV painted freaking husky jerk thing and i was like yep that's great and that just cost me 13 dollars for three seconds of fun oh yeah and it was like put it down there rod bends back and i looked at it and go that's not a fish right and it wasn't a fish and next thing you know pink oh, yeah. lost the whole thing well normally i can you know if the weight hooks up you can normally break your dropper off or yeah. um with the river why they're so effective on the river you have instantaneous control just like a bottom mount or you know where you're at and then also if you do get snagged up or whatever gummed up this is where i like the big fire line and i can just boom pop that out yeah most of the time and if anything i'll break off a weight or i'll break off the bait one or the other normally it's the weight or the weight just pops out um i kind of you can go buy some super expensive weights or whatever but i just go to 
I'll just go to the hardware store and I'll get some stainless uh, like keychain rings. And Cabela's has yep. like these bigger egg sinkers. I don't know the specific name, but you can buy them really cheap. And I'll just well, there we go. Threaded that on. That's yep. done. You know, and then clip it to my snap and. That's it. Otherwise, you're spending, you know, six or seven bucks for a weight, and I don't want to be losing those. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple guys that use those little chainy linked weight things, and I can't remember because I got them at Vados, and yeah. guy came in, and he was looking for them, but he was looking for way bigger than they had. Right, yeah, they don't. <clears throat> they normally don't make those too big, and this this type of three-way, and you're using bigger. I In the winter down there, um, with a floater or a fake bait, we've used crankbaits too, but we'll do a three-way with a jig on the bottom, you know, heavier jig and a floating jig or just a plain hook and a plastic or a, or a fathead normally alternating one or the other. And, uh, you know, that's more of a finesse tactic, a little bit smaller three-way. I don't run all the snaps on that. I'll just tie it directly and you're kind of vertical fishing or just dragging with the current. Um, so there's, once again, a bunch of different ways to fish that too. Um, that's probably the way I've had my best success or, uh, or three-way in with, uh, um smile blades slow death spinners that yeah yep 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 fun yeah kind of like fun. we did on the on the saint Croix, were we three were we three way on the, on the saint louis yeah were we yep but we just had our walleye snows it was just a different way to approach it with the current you know trying to hit the seams and keep some of them in faster water oh, i thought we were bottom bouncing no three way in oh <laughs> shows how much i pay attention <laughs> oh yeah I wasn't even drinking that day either. No, no. Oh, well. That was a fun day. Yeah. That place is cool with all the catfish. and. Uh, yeah, we pounded the catfish. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Hey, well, I guess I got some catfish. Random that works. fish galore. Yeah, it's like, oh, walleye, walleye, walleye. Crappie, catfish, catfish. Northern. Did we catch some northerns and crappies? Oh, yeah. Not as many as we, we didn't did catch any crappies that day, yeah, did we? Yeah, we did. We, did got, we? we caught a couple of them. Oh. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I was just happy to be there and to catch some fish. It was fun. Well, it, hey, it, like I keep telling everybody, every time I go to a new body of water, I want to catch a fish. I don't care what it is. I don't care how big it is. Three-inch perch, boom, I caught a fish. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so, hey, I've had a pretty good string of luck lately. I can't can't complain. can't complain. So I thought I was going to skunk out on their ice fishing in Wisconsin, but now we pounded them yeah dead sticking plastics <laughs> dead sticking plastics man that uh, was that was the ticket next thing you know hey there's a fish coming up to my bait oh the rod bent over pull pick up the rod there's a fish right. well, let's try that again hey it worked what plastics were cool. you using northland tackle okay yep. that, i'm assuming really soft little uh just a little and yeah they're yeah oh yeah just pan fishing plastics um yeah. god i can't Those i can never flutter so good um, I can never remember the name of that specific one. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, it's somewhere. Tell people about something else while I'm looking up stuff. Talk, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, talk, talk fishing or something. Yeah, what what do we want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You want to talk about fishing? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, the those the way those plastics are or whatever, I think it's kind of something that uh, the bigger open water market has kind of gotten into. At least you've seen for years, um, probably about the past 15 or 20 years, the panfish market, they have been using the tiniest, like most flexible, just goofy little plastics, and they just move. You don't, Like you're talking about dead sticking. 
I guarantee you that little thing was just down there flickering, doing its thing. And Well, and that's what I thought about afterwards, because I was like, okay, so why in the world is this thing, you know, why did, if we moved it, they didn't want anything? So why? And I was like, all right, well, let me think. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and all of a sudden it hits me. It's like, okay, so we were on a river. We were on a flowage. Yep. So there was probably movement underwater right even though it really didn't show it because typically you know your line would go to one side or whatever it didn't really seem that way um did they get rid of it because that's going to be annoying because i I need those now (laughs) what the (laughs) heck is going on here apparently you don't have it but i was like apparently no oh look the impulse swimming grub yep yep oh snap similar to the munchies grub if you're watching on video and you can see it right there right there that one right there um but yeah, so I think what was just going on is just set it down, the bait goes down, the current, the water is moving that bait just enough. Yep. But if you're jigging it, you're moving it too much. Oh yeah. And they they were finicky because it was getting it was right before a cold front and all this stuff. So well, that's something for. So, but once we figured out the pattern, winter walleyes too on the river and open water. Yeah. Are they finicky? Really slow. I mean, sometimes they'll like it with a little bit of action, but with the current and stuff, if you get crazy, that's why those moxies work so good down there or like a fluke or something. You're just dragging it really slow and with the current and whatnot and just bouncing off riprap and rubble. It's just enough to get that tail to flicker just a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that the last time we were down there, that was that was the recipe for success, just slow, hmm. no jigging, just drag it. Okay, so when you're fishing a river, do you go with the current or against the current? Uh, both. Doesn't matter. Just go back uh, and just go back and forth till you find I've, some fish. I, I've heard from people who are way more successful than myself, both sides of the story. So I don't know. I know um, pulling lead, I did like to go with the current. But I've caught fish doing it the opposite way, and I've seen, like, I don't know which way to go on that. I don't have enough experience to have an opinion on that. You know, it's kind of been a horse apiece for me. So especially jigging and stuff too. But the way you do it, you have to approach it differently. You know, in order to be trolling with the current, just know that if that current's pushing nine miles an hour, you got to be going 9.5, you know, or if you're right. dragging, you know, you, you got to have a little bit. Um, on you, gotta pull, you still got to pull the bait. Right. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, just, just know that. And if you're going against the current, you're going to be, you're going to be essentially moving backwards, you know, most sometimes, and depending on what you're doing, because if it's going nine miles an hour, eight or whatever, I mean, you don't want to be fishing in that really fast stuff for the most part. Anyways, you want to find a seam, but, um, you want to maximize your potential by understanding how fast that water's flowing and what your bait's doing down down below so Hmm. you kind of try to every day that's why every day is a new day on the river your speed from the day before if they open the gates it's going to be pushing that much more you got to adjust on the fly like uh like no other and and i don't I don't have it dialed down, but I've been just learning these past few years and trying to take it all in and figure it figure it all out and I, i don't know it's uh it's an intriguing beast down there, and I like it a lot. Well, I think at 37 years old, I'm I'm not going to try to learn the river. Oh, you got... I'll um, go fish the river, don't get me wrong, and I'll go fart around <laughs> on it, and I'll try to catch some fish. But I don't think I'm just going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to go see if I can find some fish and just, you know, whatever, or just go 
go with somebody. I mean, yeah. I'm never going to go fish the river by myself anyway. So I'll have somebody at least that'll probably know the river a little bit. Yeah. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I got too many lakes to figure out. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I'll go with somebody. I'll go just go with you and you can tell me where the fish are. And you, yeah. can, you can do everything. I'll just reel in fish. That work? Well, you'll probably teach me something down there too. You know, I don't know one... jack shit about the well, river. Well, no, just about fishing and doing things differently. That's, <laughs> I don't know nothing. That's something uh, that the gets... most. The most. Here we go. The most success I've ever had on the river was in your boat. <laughs> so I can't teach you jack shit about the river. Well, who knows? I can teach you about sturgeon fishing on rainy on the rainy river. Yeah, that ain't hard. Just finding the. You just got to get there at the right time. Other than that, just cruise around with some side imaging, down imaging, and find the fish, and then drop a bait in front of their head at this point big hunk of crawlers yeah well that's about it and just hope you hit it at the right time of year right i missed it by a day half a day dude that was perfect that is so i caught dis- one that is so disappointing up there it, it can be and it and on the other hand it'll be the best fishing you'll ever have in right. your life when those forks open up and blow blow that mud and, yep. and everything else it's yeah, I don't know. Nor- and then I don't like dealing with all the people up there, too. I don't go up north to deal with hundreds of people at the landings. You know, when we go up there, we always jump to the next landing with the ice pack that no one can launch their boats at, and we'll yeah. just throw the little tinners out like a bobsled, you know, and crash. Once the boat starts sinking, jump the hell in. <laughs> so what you're saying is is when I go up there for the sturgeon run, don't call you? Is that what you're saying? Ooh, I don't know. Oh, There's here we go. People. Now it's... I don't know. That's not... Because uh, I'm going to try to make it this year. Are like, I'll, I'll be... So, if you're up there, don't be posting stuff to Facebook, because once I start seeing everybody catching them, I'm running up. I mean, it's catching at least anyway. So yeah. Whatever. No, it looks like fun. People have a blast yeah. doing it. And that that looks like fun. I'm talking for the walleye run up there. Oh, the walleye run? Yeah. Yeah. It gets nuts with the I'll people. Just, yeah, and then the, and how much people are crying about the season being closed up there. Yeah. Well, it's catch and release. It's yeah. not closed, closed. Well, you yeah. can still go catch you fish. Can't, you can't keep any fish now. Well, yeah, well, they're trying to not end up like a certain lake that we mentioned to earlier today's podcast. Right. Pulling so those spawn. Get over it. And those pre-spawn fish. Right. Let, let them buck. Yeah. You know, let them do their thing. Exactly. Yeah. I just had a thought in my head, and I can't remember what it was. Something I was going to talk about. I don't know. Sturgeon, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun, though. What's the biggest one you ever caught? Well, my smallest one is 52 inches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that also your biggest? That's also my biggest. Okay. That's that was, a solid average. It was the same fish. <laughs> well, no, either. Yeah, I caught one. I went up there, and I think I've told it before on the podcast, but caught one. I uh, went up there Friday. We, uh, Three of us, Andrew, caught one on Saturday. I caught mine on Sunday. I got the phone call on Monday that my grandma died. It was expected. We just didn't know when. Right. So I left Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. And on the way home, I didn't make it from uh, Wigwam to the casino up there. There's a casino. Yeah. I made it that far. And then I started getting the pictures. Oh, really? They caught 17 of them after I left. That's nuts. I was like, you kidding me? <laughs> a half a day is all I needed to do was stick around for another half a day, and I would have caught some fish. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, I caught, I got, hey, I caught got, one. You got a nice one. I, so. New body of water, new species, caught a fish, don't care how big it was, 52 inches. Ha ha, big. <laughs> Not even that big either. That's the scary thing. Yeah. It was a decent fish. Those are awesome. But no, I was, I was happy with it. So, yep. can't complain. 
Hey, we used to catch them on the St. Croix every once in a while by accident. Not the big ones like up there, but <laughs> even if you catch like a 30 upper 30s inch or a 40, mm-hmm. I mean, we've caught a couple of bigger ones too. Um, oh, yeah. Now, um, after Darren caught that giant out of the St. Croix, yeah, I will no longer talk bad about St. Croix fish. <laughs> Sturgeon. I'm done. I'll leave them alone. Well, they always so, they they've caught big ones throughout the past 10, 15 years, pretty, pretty often. Yeah, but no, I'm if you look at tip the the typical sturgeon from the Rainy River to St. Croix, they're like their body size. Yeah, they're built way different. Yep. Yeah, they're skinnier on the St. Croix than they are up there. But that one that Darren caught, Jesus. Yeah, that was huge. God, and to all you haters out there, oh, he snagged it. No, 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 no. shut up. Shut up. <laughs> God. Whatever. So he didn't have it in the mouth. Yeah, I'm sure he Big didn't deal. purposely snag that fish. No, he didn't. Yeah. No, he didn't. So get over yourselves, people. Congratulations, Darren. Yeah, that's an awesome fish. Big yeah, old that's cool. fish. Yeah. 78 inches, I think it was. was that, wasn't that what it was? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Freaking oh, huge. Monster. 78 inches is how many feet? Six and a half? More than this many. <laughs> More than that, man. For all you listening, he just reached his arms out like Superman. Um, no, giant. Well, it's 70, well, five, well, six times 12, 72. So that fish was taller than me. Yeah. Nice. That works. Yeah, didn't they have to like drill like five holes or something yeah they had a couple drilled and then they had to drill a bunch more or something yeah i know i got it i think they've got it on video i haven't watched the video yet yeah neither have i seen all the pictures and stuff though that thing's awesome oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's huge spring rainy run they they get tons of them i mean kevin and sean they've caught them by accident i'm i've caught them by accident up there too um but yeah that's that's nuts especially when you catch them on walleye gear you know, yeah. you got eight pound test <laughs> and you're winging in a sturgeon. It's, right. it's awesome. Well, it's funny because people are like, oh, yeah, it took me 45 minutes or it took me two hours. And I'm like, took me seven and a half minutes. And I didn't even <laughs> reel it in as fast as I could have. And they go, what? I go, well, I was using 80 pound braid and heavy gear. They go, oh, well, I was coaching a walleye stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's that's cool and all, but I'll just bring it up quick. <laughs> I don't need to fight a fish for an hour and a half. Doug's got the power wench on his belt. It's pretty much, <laughs> hey, there's the picture of me somewhere on Facebook and one of my pictures. You see that freaking seven-summer-foot rod? I don't know. Sean, you can tell everybody what it was. And bent way over. I'm just sitting there holding it. You know, back's hurting. And he's like, you can bring it up. I'm like, you can, he's like, you can reel it up faster. I'm like, yeah, but I want to feel this. I want to take this in. You know, I told <laughs> him, like, I want to, I want to take this experience in because who knows the next time I'm going to catch one. But that right. was, I mean, it's freaking heavy fish, 52 inch third. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have been able to weigh it, but we didn't, we weren't, didn't have the setup for that. But it was a big one. Yep. Yeah. All right. You want to give us a crawfish recipe? Or do you yeah. want to bail on that and give us no, something else? No, I can do that. All right. Have, um, have at it. Well, so anyways, not that I do this all the time and we have no clue what kind of crawfish they were, but they were definitely crawfish and we trapped a whole ton of them. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We don't know what kind of crawfish they, they could were. They could have been the rusty ones. Well, they tasted good. They could have been poisonous. They were huge. They could have been like <laughs> radioactive. We don't know. But we cooked them up anyway. Yeah. And we survived. America. Def- Go ahead. Definitely did. And I'd do it again, too. <laughs> so, um, trapped all these crawfish, enough to fill up about roughly 120-quart cooler, about an inch or two. 
I don't know, on the bottom. There was tons of crawfish. And this whole process starts a couple of days beforehand after you catch them. So these things are alive. You take, you fill it up with water um, or fill the cooler about halfway up with water just so it's a couple inches above them. They'll swim around. And after about 12, 14 hours, empty the cooler, do it again with water. Um, they suck the water through and it pushes the mud out of them so that you'll, wa- you'll notice the water gets really dirty. And uh, we do that a couple of times. So, you know, after about a day, uh, a full day, maybe two, two flushes, then you'll add in your seasoning, right? And you put in gallons, I mean, tons of seasoning with the water. So that way it sucks into their body also. And when you go and boil them, you don't have the mud in there. You have clean water plus a bunch of Cajun seasoning. Um, in the pot, we throw potatoes, lemons, oranges, cloves of garlic, um, and you're, you're using one of your big uh, frying pots that you'd fill with water. Um, and it was a boil. It was a Cajun boil. I think we threw shrimp in there too. I think, yeah, yeah, we threw shrimp in there, sausage, potatoes, and then the crayfish and they're alive and you just you let her buck tons of seasoning you can get a little uh cajun boil packet at high v or cub you know they have them kind of anywhere and you don't have to necessarily do this big boil with with crayfish specifically but it's kind of a good thing to do in the summer and you take the pot when you're done and you, you lay out a bunch of towels or paper towels over a picnic table and you got all the vegetables all the meat you know and everybody just sits around a picnic table and digs in and it's kind of more of an event than it is you know anything else and it's a it's definitely a good time with a bunch of people it's a lot of work i mean it's it's a whole it's a whole process getting her going but i can imagine how southern of you yeah yeah, yeah. well next time let me know yeah yeah we'll have to you know, come over and eat a bunch of your f- crawfish i haven't done it for a little while i know i think it's been two years i know jake uh jake keeps doing the cajun boil every summer though so cool maybe we'll have to dig into one of those soon hmm. we'll go get a bunch of rusty crayfish yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what kind of crayfish they were but they tasted all right <laughs> right jeez louise so what do you do with invasive species <laughs> i guess i mean i guess if they don't kill you give them to the hillbillies of the north <laughs> that works man if you got any rusty crayfish laying around give them to kyle he'll cook them up and well eat yeah I don't know, my cousin seems to enjoy it a little bit more than me. It's a lot of work. I kind of pick through, but but yeah, they it tastes good. Yeah. Kind of like little shrimp, little tiny lobster, same texture, same. You break the head off, and you just suck the juice right out of the thing. Just break it and go to town on both hmm. ends, and whoop de doo. There you go. Perfect. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, that's been another exciting episode of the SmackDown Outdoors <laughs> podcast brought to you by Rusty Crayfish. Can you eat them? I don't know. Ask Kyle. <laughs> well, I don't know what kind they were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they had pinchers. Oh. They could have been something. Who knows if they were a crayfish? <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you to allicefishing.com. They are the sponsor of the show. Best brands, better prices. That's right. 10% to 20% off of the big box store prices on certain things like apparel, including, you know, like striker suits and stuff like that. Uh, augers, fishing electronics, fish house accessories, ice fishing accessories, portable shacks, all the cool stuff that you want and need for ice fishing. Yes, I do realize that we're almost done, but here's, here's the thing. If you buy it now, you save the money now. 
you won't be like searching for it and spending too much money come you know october and november when the next ice fishing season comes so save money now alliceishing.com that is the facebook and the website just go to alliceishing.com and uh you know you'll be supporting a minnesota family-owned company family-owned they've it's like what it is husband wife some kids I think they might have like two employees. I don't know. Not many at all. Just a family trying to save you some money. And they're doing it, man. And this is not just because they're paying me to say this. That's because I was going to help them with this regardless of the podcast. Okay. So if you want to save money on that ice fishing gear, allicefishing.com is the place to go. Okay. They got all sorts, all sorts of stuff. Okay. Let's go over the brands. They got Aquaview, Catch Cover, Clam, Eagle Claw, Angle, Eskimo, Fish Hole Buddy, Fraybill, Garmin, Hardcore Outdoors, Humminbird, iFish Pro, KNS, Bunk Rails. <coughs> Excuse me. There's so many things that my lungs can't take it. Uh, Cats Covers, K Drill, Laco, uh, Line Alarm, Markham, Northern Lights, Rattle Reels, Otter, Otter, Prod, Otter, Otter. Yeah, like otter fish houses and stuff. Uh, Rapala, Strikemaster, Sure Step, 13 Fishing, Trophy Outdoor Products, Vexilar, Yak Tracks, and there's a bunch of other stuff too. So check them out. AllIceFishing.com. I've rambled on enough. Thank you to AllIceFishing.com. Thank you to all your list, all the listeners out there. Make sure that you are liking, subscribing, sharing, commenting, and send us some topics to talk about. And if you have any questions outdoor related, send them to us. Message us. Okay, just message us through the Facebook page, and we will try to find somebody much, 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 much smarter than I to answer that question. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, that's been another episode. So shoot straight catch a big one and we will see you next time goodbye